it's the podcast about rugby and it's World Cup time. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The World Cup is carrying on and we're marching ever closer to the knockouts. Uh, I'm your host, Adam, coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. And I'm very pleased to welcome Chris, uh, who we, uh, I know all of us on the pod, we know very well from the Facebook group, but who's joined us uh, for, as our second Irish guest after Gavin. Chris, how are you? Yeah, I mean, I'm as, as good as can be expected given recent results, guys, but I'm looking forward to talking them over right now. I'm sure being the butt of a few jokes as well. Yeah, I, feel, I can immediately sense yeah. you and Gavin having the same sort of um, dour view in life. You know, there's a cloud hanging over you and it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> like Travis, that song where it's always raining, raining on me. Alex, um, <laughs> you've returned from the, the, the hills and mountains of the Eastern Cape and Craddock. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm pretty well rested. Uh I got back. I missed a lot of the rugby last week, so I missed, for example, Fiji Uruguay, which is a real shame. But I, I was really stoked to get back in time for yesterday's matches. So I'm, I'm keen to discuss a bit of rugby. Yeah, we're glad that you're going to bring order back to the Facebook group because things are. Yeah, jeez. Oh, fucking the, the, the Facebook group is fine, okay. <laughs> I don't know what Ben was getting up to. Uh, ben, sorry, how, yeah, sorry, Ben, how are you? I just slandered you. Otherwise, are you fine? <laughs> oh, do you know what? It's a very, it, it was a very emotional week in South African rugby, and like, yeah, obviously the Facebook group was going to heat up. It had nothing to do with who was administrating it at the time. Okay, okay, okay. okay. It was sorry. just, sorry. I don't know. That, that's just what played out. I was good till Adam just attacked my character. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, I, don't, I know we chatted about this off air on Wednesday uh, in the premium content that I deleted, so I just felt it was appropriate to, 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 to mention it <laughs> I now. Know. I don't um, care about that. <laughs> Matt's all over the show without. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, Matt, how's it going? Uh, are you well? Jeez, I was worried about your liver yesterday. Sending pictures oh, with God. mates and bars yesterday. <laughs> Not even mates, it's just four old Japanese dudes I met there at the bar. They're not your now mates. You <laughs> now we're best mates. Yeah, you're best oh, mates. Oh god, like the SA game was the worst because every time South Africa scored a point, they turned around and like cheers me and like said, yeah, I'll see you in the knockout. And it just, I was like, no god guys, this is a 50 point 10, please calm down. <laughs> like, I was like, you need to drink twice for, for Skulk because they initially got me for Skulk Brits' first try. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got, we got a ton, uh, ton of stuff to get through. I mean, geez, the rugby world, uh, it just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, we have the, the Japan Island game and earlier today, Australia versus Wales. There's so much sour grapes you can make some, a very Australian wine, probably Adelaide's area where they make some wine. Before that, uh, just, there's a little bit of news. Obviously, it's World Cup related. Uh, the games we're going to chat about briefly until the two big ones being, and actually Japan versus Ireland and Australia versus Wales. Uh, we'll chat about Italy versus Canada, England, USA, Argentina, Tonga, South Africa's uh, stomping, but I don't think it was that impressive, of Namibia, and then Georgia, Uruguay, and we'll get into the big these big games of the weekend. After we do the reviews, I had the pleasure of speaking to Thomas Davies, who is one of the masterminds behind the Ruggabot app, which is a predictive tool to try and predict the scores of the different World Cup games. Uh, it was a pretty interesting conversation. It probably tends towards the stat attack pod. Maybe I'm stepping on their toes. I don't know. Uh, it was quite interesting. We'll post it separately. Okay, but surely that's like yeah. Ant's nickname on like sort of internet chat rooms. Yeah, I, I remember when, when Nicola asked him, do you know... Uh, I, th- I, thought you, I thought you were going to say his nickname was the predictive tool. <laughs> no, that's, that's his Tinder name. 
Um, yeah, I just I remember Nick Larson. Oh, do you know like the weight and height of all the rugby players? And Anders said with a straight face, well, uh, figuratively speaking, most yes. Of them. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, I think he was like, yeah. yeah, most of them, like most of the international players, just like straight off the bat. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, after this, after the interview, um, and uh, just, just guys, so they haven't shared it with you. I'll just, I'll, I'll tear it up. Here it is, guys. So just please keep quiet. So I should have actually said that. <laughs> to recording. Yeah, just so there's a, a, a little silent bit. And then we'll go do some review with Scotland, Samoa, France, USA, New Zealand, Canada for our Super Brew. I'm glad we got Chris here. Our Super Brew is a little bit over the place. Uh, he'll help us out. So let's get, get straight into it. Let's chat a little bit about the news. Just two very quick things. Okay, a lot of it has to do with sour grapes and Michael Chaker, and it's only going to get worse. He complained after Reese Hodge was banned for three weeks for his shoulder high tackle in the Fiji Hair game. I get this is a news item, actually. But Rhys Hodge revealed he hadn't trained on the World Rugby's new protocol for policing hard tackles at the World Cup, uh, an official report said. Uh, apparently, Hodge had, and I quote, no effective knowledge of the new framework. So clearly, he did not know that you should not put your shoulder in another player's face. Uh, Chris, yeah. Chris, does this surprise you that Rhys Hodge did, essentially did not know the rules? Yeah, I think like, uh, you know, it's it's probably just a poor answer to a, a poor question. You know, someone said, you know, the framework, he says no. He knows he can't, he knows he can't shoulder someone in the head. I like, I saw Cheka's response, I saw Clive Woodward's response, and they were getting some heat online. I thought the entry point at three weeks was a bit long, right? Because uh, Reese Hodge was kind of off balance. He like very much lost the contact. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't much forward moving force. So when they entered him in at six weeks and then cut it down to three, I'm like, oh, what the hell are we going to do when Owen Farrell plays his next match? You know, like, boy's not going to play rugby again until he's 40. Absolutely nothing. That's all we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Same as Pierce Francis. Oh, Same thing. Did I, but, uh, oh, sorry, I, I, speaking of Farrell, I sp- uh, there was a chap in an English jersey at the pub last night that I turned to him and I was like, I hadn't checked much on, how long, on Farrell's injury, like how long he's expected out for. So I asked him, yeah, when like, have you heard any news for, about Farrell? And the dude, it's like, what do you mean? Grabbed his phone. He's, he looked me dead in the eyes. He's like, fuck, I have so many bets I need to change right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, like an hour later, he came and found me again. He's like, fuck, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I reckon going back to the, the research thing, um, I think Chris has pretty much got it spot on. I don't yeah. think, I think this is being made into a much bigger thing than it really is. It's not that research doesn't know that he's not supposed to shoulder charge. It's just he doesn't know like the step by step rubric that referees are supposed to be using when determining whether a tackle constitutes a shoulder charge. Right? That's like the distinction that they didn't and, make. And he doesn't, he doesn't. He need doesn't need to. He doesn't no, need he doesn't. to know that really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's it's stupid. It's I don't know why the press are going on and on about this so much. It's it's such a waste of. <laughs> It's such a waste of energy. Like, I mean, I know I wasn't here last week and on Facebook when you guys kind of got into it with, you know, should we be talking so much about referee decisions or whatever? But this just feels like part of a little bit of that conversation where like, there's so much to talk about in a rugby world cup and we wait four years for this. And then this is what we're going to spend the next six weeks discussing. Like, come on, you know, there's, can't we talk about the good stuff? And I'm not trying to whitewash the experience, but like, this is just nothing. It's like a nothing conversation. So, yeah. Anyway, at the same time, it doesn't surprise me that, that Michael Cech is being a little bitch about it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a lot, more, a lot more 
um, about Chaker. I know, um, I mean, that was the only real news I had because Reese Hodge, um, I don't think he's a bad player. I know Pro 14's got underway. Uh, Chris, have you have you been actually monitoring what's going on? Forgive me, I haven't actually checked. I know the Cheetahs had a big win Cheetahs over the Warriors. Drum them. Kings almost uh, beat the Blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the Kings had a good game, uh, but didn't win. Um, Cheetahs yeah. had a big win. Uh, Scarlets beat Connacht. Leinster beat Benetton Treviso. And a, a little bit of a story there, I guess. Uh, Benetton and Treviso, who would be Italy's kind of primary um, club side, uh, they had their best season ever last season. They got to the Pro 14 playoffs for the first time. They're in Europe this season, uh, and it's the first time they've qualified for the European Champions Cup, the Tier 1 Cup on merit. Um, it's good to see them going well, and they really pushed Leinster yesterday. And uh, I watched the Ireland game at 8.15 in the morning, and I didn't watch the South African game because at the end of the Ireland game, I didn't want to watch any rugby for a little while. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I took a couple hours break, and uh, I get home to my apartment uh, about... 20 minutes after the Leinster match kicked off, I checked the score, 12-0, we're winning. I sit down, I immediately see us concede two tries back-to-back and start losing 12-14. And I was like, yesterday I was cursed. <laughs> so I switched it off, Leinster, Leinster crawled their way back into the game, and, and they're doing, um, and they did all right. Dave Carney, who, who just missed out in the Ireland World Cup squad, got a hat-trick. So, uh, uh, listen, it's, oh, a, nice. it's a bit of a, a phony war. At the moment, that there's not very many high high quality players in the Pro 14 because most of them are at the World Cup, but it started well. Mm. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, uh, I saw I, I mean, saw some clips in, with in um, I think Ono Boerter in the Munster game seemed like he had a pretty good game. Um, so it looks like the guys who are there are, are seeing a pretty good opportunity to make a bit more of a name for themselves, which is good. But it it does it does sort of favor you now. This is why, you know, we were talking about a few guys from the smaller nations who, who effectively retired or mm. we, we feel were pushed into retirement. Yeah. And this, this is why, this is kind of why you would do that. So you can dominate during this, this kind of international period where the other teams don't have their, their sort of their big guns. Yeah. Yeah. And also to make sure you don't get a, a bad injury in a game against like Uruguay for some, or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I think okay. to, a, to a certain extent, that's that's heightened in France. The Pro 14 is in week one, and the Premiership is in week two. But in the top 14, they're in week five. So if yeah. you're in Montpellier, you know, and you're trying to persuade Nagusa and uh, and the other uh, other Fijian winger to retire, it's because you're going to get six or seven extra games out of them, right? Which is yeah. A thirty-year season. Yeah, yeah, you get you get a lot because obviously before the World Cup, they they kind of in camp for at least a month. So, mm. yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It just it just sucks for the viewers, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I, I would okay. I would prefer. I know it's not I know it's not practical, but I would prefer if just all rugby stopped during the World Cup. Yeah, I know FIFA uh, yeah. for for the football World Cup. They they they're like uh, Vladimir Putin with that stuff. They they very much do their utmost to stop most football around the world from taking place. I know when in 2010, you remember that, <laughs> yeah. the test? The, the test the, like, the like the like under under nine C's are playing. I, I can't have that. Glory <laughs> <laughs> for the World Cup. No, I just remember when I was still living in Cape Town. I went to the France and Africa game, and uh, sorry, had to get special dispensation. It was, it was the last. I think it was the last test or something. It was at Newlands. Uh, it was like a few days into the World Cup, literally days, like two or three days. They had to get special permission from FIFA to to hold that test match, mm. just because. So I, I I agree with you, Ben. 
uh, the World Cup should be the focus. Um, but at the same time, you know, the world, the world keeps spinning, so the Pro 14 has to keep going. So uh, no complaints there. Um, I'm full on. I, I think I think all businesses should close as well. For seven weeks. That can't be too bad for the economy, hey? Just, just yeah. no activity for seven weeks, surely. Okay, okay. Presumably, Presumably, businesses in Ireland get to reopen after the quarterfinal, though. So happy days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you're allowed to open up when your when your country pulls out. Yeah. Uh, oh, fuck. Well, I I don't benefit at all at Mauritius then. But what about what about all the army men who can't watch games? Ben, surely we should cease all hostilities as well. Oh yeah. Um. I don't, I know. I, I know, like, maybe I don't fully understand the geopolitical landscape, but I think we should just cease all hostilities anyway. Yeah, just to be the solution to the, <laughs> Middle, East, the Middle East conflict. Yeah, be like, hey, guys, stop, it's the World Cup. And then, like, <laughs> yeah. after the World Cup, they'll be like, I, I quite enjoy not having to be shot at every day. Like, maybe let's carry on. <laughs> Chris, yeah, what do you... Right. So, uh, so, Chris, what do you do professionally, just out of interest? What sector do you, do you work in? Oh, uh, I work in uh, in innovation in the insurance industry. Oh, geez. Well, you should then talk to Joe Schmidt about that insurance, eh? Because uh, I'm not quite sure <laughs> what, what the plan B uh, might be. I know Alex also, <laughs> Alex also had has got a few huntingers uh, for later. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> he was he was working on he was working on his mic his uh, what do you call it his stump his stump speech when it comes yeah, to yeah I've got Ireland. a couple I I, I I gave up because you guys didn't seem like you were putting in the same amount of effort. No, we weren't. Seen, you weren't. Um, the the uh, the pedophile joke was quite funny. Um, actually. Yeah, I've got two good ones. Yeah, yeah. Do you want, uh, do, uh, do you want to hear the pedophile one, Chris? No, I, 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 I'm already for it though. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> so, what what's the difference between a pedophile at a kid's birthday party and the Irish national rugby team? Uh, I don't know, man. What's the difference between a pedophile at a kid's birthday party and the Irish national rugby team? <laughs> Jesus, at some setup. at some point, you, at some point, you know the pedophile is going to get out of the pool. <laughs> sorry, sorry I'm a little sad <laughs> quite a sad oh, I, I know but 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 the, the, the permutations now Ireland will make it out the pool presumably they'll, they'll, they'll be fine they, they might yeah. not there's a very small chance they don't I think but they'll be fine yeah. no no we, yeah, we, yeah, as, long as, as long as they carry on winning they're fine it's actually it's weirdly it's Scotland they fucked over no I know yeah, yeah. Scotland, but, yeah, but we, actually, we, we, didn't, we didn't have a Scottish guest, so I've got to make do. Uh, actually, I mean, more more yeah, than that, I think in the in the bookies we're still odds on to top the pool. Um, yes, Scotland are still favourites to beat Japan. So, like, the whole thing could end up, you know, being the same as South Africa losing to Japan last time, uh, yeah. France losing to Tonga in 2011. It, it, you know, it could end up meaning nothing. The point the point is, it was. Bloody shit at the time. It's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> no, no, but, but no, but there's a, there's that weird thing where it's it's head to head, hey. So if Ireland and Japan are on the same points, Japan will go through on virtue of beating Ireland. Yeah, it's points difference. Are you guys are you guys going to be this it's, analytical? It's not, it's, it's not, point, it's so... not points different. It's it's points difference in result of a three way tie, or if neither team have beaten each other. Or yeah. actually, I guess. Yeah, in the event of a three-way tie, it's points difference. But in the event of a two-way tie, it's whoever won their head-to-head. Look, guys, if if I knew if I knew you were going to be this pedantic about it, I wouldn't have bothered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a joke. 
It's, uh, well, it's... Why, why don't... Can, can I tell my um, my Amanaki Mafi joke then while we're here? Yes, you can. Yeah, go on. What's the difference between Ireland and Lupeti Tamani? <laughs> What's the difference what? between Ireland and Lupeti Tamani? Amanaki Mafi's brutal, uh, brutal assault on Lupeti Tamani was only alleged. <laughs> 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 yeah, it could have been worse. Like Chris, it could have been worse. He could have he could have locked you in the trunk afterwards and driven around town with you for a few hours. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that yeah. is. <laughs> do, do, do you think he still has Joey Carberry in his trunk now? Like like they all like everyone's like searching for Joey. Like what the fuck's going on? I mean, like he just has him. Oh god. Uh, Okay, All right. I'll save. I'll save by the one for a bit later. Yeah. Let's get. Let's, let's, let's move into. Let's get. Let's move into the games. I guess we'll start with the leader in Pool B with an, with an epic points difference right now. Italy, Italy versus Canada. Italy, I think, ran out forty nine seven winners. Uh, I don't think that's that quite the accurate score. Italy don't look that bad. When does when are they our next game? Sorry, I actually haven't bothered looking at the fixtures. No, we. I think we. I think they're playing New Zealand next. No, no, I lie. I think it's us next because New Zealand are playing Canada next. Oof. Yeah, we're we we playing, we playing Canada, them on Friday, yeah. guys. We're playing them on Friday. What time? Yeah. South African time? Uh, it's like quarter to 12, middle of the day. Ah. Take a long lunch. Really? Perfect. Oh, my God. Yeah, Debbie taking early. Oh, I've, just start, I've, I've just started a new job. I can't be watching rugby in the office. Shit. <sighs> so, uh, <laughs> it's really hurt. Italy, Italy, I say Italy, they've they've put the they've put the results on these smaller teams. They look very good against Canada. Uh, maybe Canada were more worse than Italy being good, but Italy's back row seems quite vigorous to use that term. I think it'll be a good test. Yeah, can we test the box? Can we talk about Jake Yeah. Can we just can we just talk about him for a sec? Because like. I mean, I saw the, the you know, the, the 10-14 rugby podcast. They were doing a bit on how good Anton Leonard Brown was when he beat 14 tacklers, right? Which was, sorry, well, he beat eight tacklers, which was the most an all-black has beaten in a rugby World Cup game since Lamu. And then Pledri goes out, like literally while I'm watching the podcast, I'm looking at the stats. It's the 15th minute of the game and Pledri's already beaten eight tacklers. He goes yeah. on to beat 14 and he sets, he sets a record. The, the boy's a sick head. I think he's the one to watch. I think he's the breakout player that's World Cup so far. Yeah. That's a good shot, actually, and I mean it, he's been doing it in the in the wake of a, a declining Sergio Parise, and for mm. a long time we've kind of we speculated about you know what would Italy be if they just had one more player with Parise's kind of engine, and you know here he is Jack Pelledri, and geez yeah he just doesn't stop going does he? No, and I think I think there's something we can all love about it as well because Jake Pelledri, born in England, grew up in England, Italian parents didn't choose to play for England. What a legend. Yeah. Not like yeah. He's the oh, fuck Brad those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all dickheads. I love it. Anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, it is It is pretty great. But, uh, yeah, so he's... Which, which club is he playing for at the moment? Uh, Gloucester, under uh, your boy Ackerman, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay. Good, good old yeah. uh, Johannes yeah, Ackerman. I am looking forward to the post-World uh, Cup, sort of, who were, who were those breakout players... Because there's always a couple of guys who kind of make their career on a on a few good performances. Um, yeah, he's definitely one to watch. That that's a good shot. Talking about Italy, like a bit more generally, um, Adam, I know you, you kind of you're giving them a lot of credit for oh. their performances against against the Minnows. I don't think they were that good against Namibia, and, and maybe I'm biased, but 
Yeah, they, no, uh, they conceded. They conceded almost thirty points against Namibia. Hey, so let's not. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. If, if you, could, I don't think it was their first string team. Um, uh, still, uh, it sure. wasn't a bad team. Huh? I can't remember, but uh, I just remember thinking that like Namibia were were doing better than I thought they would. Like they, yeah, I, I thought Italy looked a bit slow in that game. Um, I didn't watch the Canada game, so forgive me on that. But um, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not too worried about them. Like I. Again, I mean, the thing with South Africa is more often than not, we are our own worst enemy. So if we do lose to Italy, like, I don't think it'll be a complete and utter shock because we have lost to them in the last two years, right? Or uh, now three years, I think. But it's, yeah, I, I don't think that they are quite where they need to be. But they've got some good depth. They've got some good youngsters coming through. So they're going to, they're on, they're on an upwards curve, put it that way. Yeah, uh, well, I, I just, at least it does have something on the line. I, I would still suggest South Africa are favourites, but Italy seems to at least be playing some exciting sort of rugby, uh, not the boring 10-man sort of stuff that I know that in the prior days of the rugby history, particularly when Nick Maddox was there, uh, Bergamasco at uh, nine, we're looking at you. At least I put something on the line, and it's just it's nice to see. I want to call Italy a minnow. I feel like that's that's harsh. Um, like, I'm, no, I'm, I feel they deserve they to. Like, they rank like 16th in the world. They deserve to be called a minnow. Yeah. They're a tier yeah, two yeah. team. Come on. They are a tier two team, but they're lucky in that they play six nations and are, on a technicality, a tier one nation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think they they Bonafide qualified for the Six Nations on the back of very good performances in the 90s, and have since then unfortunately not been able to kick on, but. You wouldn't. I wouldn't expect Italy to lose to any other tier two nation. I would expect them to go into every game against every tier two nation as favorite, except if they were to play probably Japan or Fiji. Yeah, Fiji. Yeah. yeah. I, I would. I would back. I would back Fiji to beat Italy. Would yeah, you Japan back Fiji, Fiji to beat yeah. to beat Uruguay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, but, but I think oh, that's, that's that's the thing. Like they they are like they're a tier two nation, but I would say they are the best tier two nation. So that's fair enough. Yeah, and and I, I guess when I was talking about their world, it does their world ranking does suffer because they play in the Six Nations. Yeah, yeah. Like if Japan, if like Japan or whatever played in the Six, okay, obviously Japan would win the Six Nations because they can beat Ireland. But um, if I don't know, say Fiji played in the Six Nations, their world ranking would probably actually be lower on current. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. But yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Yeah. Um, let's move on to let's see where we have it. England versus the USA. Another convincing victory for England. But uh, Owen Farrell got shoulder charged, uh, which was great. And then Piers Francis did Owen Farrell <laughs> shoulder charging someone else. So a game of shoulder charges. Uh, I'm actually going to now finally bring up the actual results. Come along now. It's going, going. 40, 45, 7, I think. Yeah. Italy won 48-7. 45-7, that's right. Um, at least the US have got a try. A conversion by AJ McGinty. Yeah, they, they, they scored in the last... The, the, the last phase of play was about four and a half minutes. It was, it was ridiculous. There were yeah. like six turnovers. Like the ball probably covered about 100... Like, probably covered about 400 meters. It was, it was a very entertaining... Mm-hmm. Um, Few minutes. Rugby, rugby just broke for a minute there at the end of that game because like USA had been 
terrible. Like, and I was I was watching in the canteen in work, and there was a few of us in there. USA had been shocking. They never looked like scoring. And then just rugby stopped working for about four. There was a glitch in the matrix. And they scored this try. And there's like nine oaks just like sitting in a work canteen wearing work attire, just screaming at the TV, absolutely delighted. Um, but like, I mean, it, like England were pretty poor and USA were, were, were very, very bad. It was, it was kind of disappointing from USA. Um, they went on a 10-game winning streak last year. I don't know if you guys remember that. And uh, they were yeah. kind of well, knocking been, down other tier two countries easy. And then they kind of went to And they beat, the they beat Scotland was that two years ago. And everyone thought they were going to kick on a bit from that. But I guess they did with that was, a 10-game winning streak. That was last summer. That was in the middle of that 10-game 10 10-game 10 winning streak. So. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So just, just the thing. The thing is, what England? 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 No, uh, USA. Yeah, I was. I was expecting a bit more. I was, obviously, I was expecting England to win, but it's also their first game. Hey, like let them. Like they, we never expected them to beat England. No, no, of course. But I mean, we were just talking about like how, it, like Namibia was only twenty points shy of Italy, and. I don't know. I feel like England are better than Italy by approximately as much as USA are better than Namibia. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. I'm looking forward to their other games, uh, especially um, like the Argentina game might be quite a nice one for them to target, not for an upset, but like a much more respectable margin that can hopefully signal better things to come. Do you, think, um, do you think England are missing out or, or disadvantage in any way about the fact, or advantage probably more accurately, the fact they've had two essentially warm-up games um, in, ahead of the Argentina-France clashes, the big ones. They've had two games just to kind of shake the cobwebs. Well, no, it's, I mean, they've, it's definitely... They, should, they definitely should, shouldn't have cobwebs coming into the World Cup. Like, you should come in firing, you know. I mean, they've it's, potentially it's, lost the, one of their best players in Owen Farrell, right? So... That's the risk you run when you have those warm-up games or those 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 small games first. What? Um, what actually, like what actually we happened had, to him? We Did got he, was a concussion. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think there was just a head knock, but they they said he's fine. I think, um, but you know, it could have gone differently, right? Whereas we got to play our most important game of pretty much the entire World Cup. Well, yeah, obviously pre-qualifiers, but against New Zealand in our first weekend, like that's that is, I think, the best thing that we could have hoped for, is to play New Zealand yeah. first up. And get it out the I, way. I don't think, I don't think there's any way you can say it's a good thing for England. For England to win the World Cup, they're going to have to beat France, Argentina, quarterfinal, semifinal, and final five weeks yeah. in a row. So they're going to have to yeah. win five You're tier like one the, games back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, exactly. And if they'd had one of those up front, they could have had some downtime to cycle players through. But now they've basically they've gone through their second string team, and they need their first stringers now every match for the rest of the World Cup, pretty much. Well, you know, it would also force them to play their first stringers in a minnow game to yeah. uh, to kind of blood them to the World Cup. So, you know, where, where, say, most other teams, ideally in that pool, you only want your first stringers to play France and Argentina, really. Mm, but yeah. they were kind of forced to play their first stringers against, who was their first game again? Um, Tonga. Tonga. Tonga, yeah. They were forced to play their first stringers against Tonga. So now, like, I, I don't know, their rotation's a bit out of whack as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we, the first stringers are going to play two, two in a row. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we really have no excuse this World Cup. Like, the schedule has been perfect. We get to play our first three guys up front. Then, I mean, yesterday against Namibia, we didn't even bring Colby off the bench. There was no need to. 
and we could do the same thing when we play against um, Canada, and then Italy's, and like so we have like a big game, a small game, a medium-sized game, a small game, and then the three, hopefully three big games. That's like you don't get it better than that. You really don't. Um, so no. yeah, not not well, ideal. Well, New Zealand has essentially the New Zealand has essentially the same. I guess they have yeah. two small games. Uh, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I guess uh, ahead of that Argentina just, game, can, can we can we just talk of England? Because a lot of people are predicting England to win the World Cup. Do they look like they're going to win the World Cup based on what they're doing currently? <laughs> it's, it's impossible yeah. to say because we haven't seen them against a proper team. But if I could choose a, a team to avoid, obviously other than the All Blacks, until the final, it would be England. So, I, I think yeah. that England team, team are superb. I think your uh, your hopes are that England are going to pick up an injury to one of their halfbacks, right? Because yes. they've only got two out-halves and they've only got two scrum halves in the squad, and they're currently playing one of their out-halves at centre in all of their, you know, in all of their series games. So you've got yeah. three times the opportunity to injure a crucial player, and they'll come unstuck pretty quick, particularly if they lose Farrell. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. I, I, I also think if they lose uh, Vinopolo or potentially Atojo, they also, because they won't have enough guys kind of tracking it forward. Actually, maybe maybe because Marco Vinopolo is injured for the first time ever, so maybe maybe he can fill, <laughs> fill Billy's shoes if Billy goes down, but I don't know. <laughs> they should just play your man, Cognathinga, man. Cognathinga at number eight. I don't know why they haven't done it already. It goes a beast. Oh, oh geez, I'd love to see that, yeah. You're massive. I'm sorry, is Cochrane singer just the English version of Nyavora? Or d- does cool. he have a, no. a few more tricks up his He has he has at least two tricks. He's got he's a step. Ready twice he's, as got many. A step. he's got his ready uh, yeah, twice. I think I might have seen him pass. I think it was like a one handed sort of water polo thing, but the ball definitely left his hand and went to another English okay, player. So three times which is something I've never polo. seen Nyavora do. <laughs> I've seen him defend, man. <laughs> so, like, Jesus, Ben, I think you've 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 made the made the worst comparison we've done yet. And I mean, Adam called uh, old good you Delendi too. Did he? <laughs> we, we, we've had we've had worse comparisons than that. <laughs> yeah, we we I'm, I'm I'm probably gonna make a worse comparison today, man. Yeah, exactly. Looking forward like, to it. I'm kind of looking forward to it now. Comparisons probably one of the things we're worse at, and we're not good at a lot of stuff. No, 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 but we, we, we all are. You're quite good at comparisons, Alex. Uh, sometimes. But, yeah, we, we've established I'm good at, I'm good at spotting talent early. That's, that's my, that's my <laughs> talent. That's what I bring to the pod. <laughs> but you spot talent like a whole year early and then you draft like Salisi Rayasi when he's not even in the main squad. Oh, yeah. No, but that's because <laughs> I'm like the scout. Think about it. If, if I, I could have got Salisi Rayasi for like minimum wage into a rugby team. And now in two years' time when he's kicking ass, like you'll see. My my draft prep is literally just looking at Ben's draft team from the year before. Yeah, who picked, who picked <laughs> up mid-season? Like what names did he pick up mid-season? <laughs> That's why I keep winning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's What's move this? on. Let's just keep going. It's Argentina versus Tonga. Uh, Argentina running out. I think it was like 28-13 winners. No, 28-12 winners over Tonga. Uh, three tries to Montoya. Um, Ireland, I mean, excuse me, Argentina getting the business done. Uh, they weren't playing exactly their strongest team. At least Tonga weren't smashed off the park. But uh, I think bigger battles were I, I, I think, I think I, Argentina 
had scored 28 points by like 25 minutes though. Yeah. Then I think that yeah. then they pretty much Stop. just switched off. So my big problem with this result is so Argentina already lost to France. There's a small chance that they can beat England and England uh, lose. No, sorry. Let's say they, if England beats France, then uh, they might rely on points difference to go through, right? Uh, they, head to heads they, again, I'll probably come into it. All right. Probably end up being but more there, relevant, there, yeah. there is a there is a way that the matches can go, which case uh, where they would have to rely on points difference, right? Let's not discount France losing to Tonga as well, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's happened before. But anyway, my, my point is, sorry, like I, maybe I haven't done my homework on the pool permutations, but my point is that they didn't look like a team that cared about a points difference. But that's, look, Argentina is a passionate side. Points difference is the least passionate side. Yeah, of but, but this thing is because of the head-to-head thing, points difference isn't super important this yeah. World Cup. And that's because actually good. Tra- it's better. It is better that way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because cause chances are... I would also think there it'll probably I don't I think the most pools will have a clear first and a clear second just because of the bonus point system as well. Yeah, true. This is yeah. Anyway, just that, that, I mean that, I know that's my that's my theory of why Carberry kicked it out because Ireland still got the bonus point for that. Yeah, well that's what he said. said that too. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Oh. I just, I just don't know why he kicked it long. I mean, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but, uh, said, yes. Yeah, that's the other thing. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's just, it's just muscle memory. Oh well, some people are sort of justifying why he kicked it long as in case the ref then would say, "Oh no, it's fine. There's still time for the line out or whatever." Mm. Maybe it's a, maybe uh, it's a fantasy points thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I think it's a. There's a bit of a story in what Ben touched on with with Argentina just falling off the boil at 26 minutes because it's not the first time we've seen in this World Cup a Tier 1 nation go out and blast the hell out of a team for 25 minutes and then stop, right? So Wales were the same in their first game against Georgia. They looked like unbelievable for 25 minutes and then stopped. Italy were were the same against Canada. You watch the first 20 minutes of Italy-Canada. Italy were completely dominant and then stopped. And even Ireland against Japan yesterday they were very dominant for the first quarter. On the, the first yeah. quarter, they were posted on the lead rugby, rugby banter where South African fans said they were worried about us, which yeah. has never happened before. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, I think it's something to do with the humidity out there. Um, and it's a real difference from previous World Cups where you'd get the opposite. You know, a Tier 1 nation would be would find it tough for the first half against an impassioned Tier 2 nation, and then they would just blow them away in the last 30. Yeah, so uh, I think it must be something to do with the conditions and, and how teams are managing it. So Tier 2 teams traditionally come from humid climates, is what we're saying. Or or just that the humidity <laughs> no, the no, humidity no, no. gets rid of your you know decision-making. I don't know, you become a bunch of idiots after you've... you've Look, that you tracks know, very well with the show. leveler. It tracks very yeah. well with the shots. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an interesting take on it. But uh, look, I mean, for whatever reason, I was pretty unimpressed by Argentina, um, mm. and I'm, I'm worried. It just we we've we've spoken a lot about them as like a team that relies on passion and very like a momentum based team. Now, having lost their, some would say, a crucial game against France, they just seem a bit deflated. Like they've kind of given up on their whole campaign. Which maybe I'm reading too much into it. And I hope it's not the case, but it's a bit disappointing if so, because I, I think a lot of people, including myself, 
felt like they were one of the teams that had the had the potential to come into this tournament and perform above their ranking. Um, and now it just seems like they might be capitulating and just accepting their fate. So yeah, hopefully against England we can see a different different face of Argentinian rugby. Mm. All right. Well, look, we'll they got more important battles to come. But someone who's who had one of their most important battles, I think I'll, I'll talk about RSN and maybe after this Georgia versus Uruguay. The World Cup saw its first red card. Of course, it's a minute team that gets a red card. That always happens. The referees are emboldened to actually maybe uh, be braver when it comes to the issuing of the ultimate sanction. Uh, Georgia beating Uruguay. The score being, I'm looking for it, 33-7. And uh, overall, based on what I could see of it, a very typical Georgian performance. Uh, Forwards based, dominant, and then the the red card did come into the latter parts of it. So uh, Georgia claiming the bragging rights. Gentlemen, did any of you watch watch the game? Uh, I saw some of it this morning. Not all of it. I caught glimpses here and there. I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. uh... Mm -hmm. Poor USA are so the, forgettable the, that you completely forgot they got a red card yesterday. Oh, Harsh, man. Oh, <laughs> sorry. You're right. Second, the, second red card. I don't claim to be a professional. The, the, red, the, red, card, the red card was 76 minutes, eh? so let's not... Um, yeah. Like, the, 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 the damage was done at that point already. Eh? Don't, don't try and shield Adam from his mistakes. <laughs> yeah, actually, Adam, fuck. Get it together. You host a podcast, mate. Um, details. Yeah, details. Um, Wayfield strikes again. I, I was. I, I think Georgia have a better um, playing style against smaller teams because, like, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. England showed it. Because even even if you're not playing that well, but you're just completely dominating the set piece. You're never really gonna lose to a smaller team. Like that's that's I know we're probably gonna touch on it when we talk about the island game. But sort of the start of Ireland's demise was when the the set piece kind of lost the plot, eh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when G1 I, I, I don't think I, 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 I honestly I don't think there was a scrum where Georgia didn't get a penalty actually. Like it was it was actually just out of hand. Yeah. So and you know also that you you can't you can't play a game if you can't. It's not even win your scrum ball or, or get good scrum ball. It's literally you can't go into a scrum without giving away a penalty. Like you can't, you can't play rugby like that. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> no, that's that, that's a good point. I mean, that, but we kind of knew that would have, would happen. I mean, Georgia, their strength lies in their forwards, um, and they've got like pound for pound, I would say one of the better scrums in the competition, and a pretty handy. Well, yeah, well they're. They've got uh, Jabba Brokvadze, who's obviously got a bit of pedigree in Super Rugby as their hookers, so their lineout's probably quite solid and it looked pretty good this morning. Um, and poor Uruguay, they just not, they weren't as cohesive, and I think it is a big factor in the Minnows. Like it's a common theme in, in all the Minnows teams uh, that they struggle with the technical side of it, the, the set pieces. So yeah, no real surprises in that game, in other words. Yeah. Um. Should we right. move on? Yeah, uh, three more to go. RSA versus... Oh, no, no, just, wait, wait, wait. Can, can we talk about the red card? Sorry, Adam. Um, I don't particularly want to, but if you want to, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I just want to contrast it because it was essentially as the play, the, the Uruguayan 16, he was lining up a tackle. And then pretty much as this happened, the guy got tackled from behind by another Uruguayan player. And it sort of 
accelerated him into his shoulder. So he did, hadn't gone down fully yet, okay? And then obviously it, it was contact to the face, blah, blah, blah. But then in the, in the Australia-Wales game, Tumani got one straight to the face. Not, uh, not Tumani. He's in my head. Um, Carabinetti, uh, is it? Yeah, um, uh, Salakai Lotto got one straight to the face. Oh, yeah. In, oh. in Australia-Wales. And then, and there the ref kind of, he mitigated it away. He was like, oh, uh, yeah, he was off balance. He didn't give much force. Okay, so it's just a penalty. And then the, the ref in the Uruguay game was just like, sorry, contact to the face. Cheers, mate, you're done. So it was a bit... I don't know. I, I almost felt it was because the Australia Wales was a more significant game, and a yellow card, a red card, would have meant more. So the ref sort of held off on giving a card. When in the Uruguay game, you know, the game was done or whatever, so you're just like, oh fuck it, whatever. Yeah. Like, who cares? Mm. Yeah, that, that was. Of, I was I kind know, that... of saying the same thing though. Um, the games that matter, the referees can actually feel like they can police the game uh, with with less fear in a certain sense. Is that, is that what you're saying? Mm. No, I, yeah, I'm saying no. I'm saying because all the consequences of giving the red card were gone. If that, you know, uh, jo- Georgia, Georgia had one right, comfortably. Right, right, right. Well, so so the rest could could give a red card knowing that it's not going to ruin the spectacle. When yeah. in Wales, uh, Wales, Australia, if he had if he had given the red and it was just into the second half, I think it was at a. It would have Australia would have won the game. I would say if if that was a red card. Yeah. So it was a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who, so it was a bit shit, really. Who, in your opinion, has been the best referee thus far um, in, in the World Cup? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a fan of Wayne Barnes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nigel Owens, he's been a right, but Garcia doesn't cover himself in glory. Um, uh, God, God, God had a decent... What did he, what did he just ref? He, no, uh, he just refs Wales, didn't he? They, Island, uh, yeah, and a lot of people are bleak with him. God has been fantastic. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. cool. I'm, uh, just gonna, I'm just going to go. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I thought, thought Wayne, Wayne Barnes had a good first match. Yeah, no. God, so Barnes had, uh, he was this morning, wasn't he? He was the Uruguay-Georgia game. I don't know what his yeah. other one so far, but he was good this morning. Ireland-Scotland. Oh, okay. Yeah, and when you don't hear anything about it, then you know it's a good game. I am actually a fan of Roman Pot, but that call we'll, we'll get on to it now. We speak of Australia, Wales, but we'll deal with Japan, Ireland first, naturally. Uh, but before that, it's Ireland, said Namibia. I think he is actually a better ref than Garcia is, um, personally speaking. But yeah, the referees in total, and I know that will right be of stage that the slit refereeing has been quite understanded. Even uh, Ben Skeen. No, not Ben Skeen, he's the TMO. Um, well, yeah, well, he also. Didn't cover himself in glory with the career everything. It hasn't been great, so spots up are available for the quarterfinals. Um, Yaku Pepe, he's the only South African ref thus far. We haven't heard anything too much about him in a bad way. I think he is the only one we've got there, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And Mario Zionk is one of the, the TMOs. Uh, okay, well, let's move oh, on then to... Well, there we, we doomed then. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to the RSA Namibia game. I, I ended up watching the first half because, A, the rugby was boring, and B... Um, I, well, I did see bits and pieces of the second. I, I wasn't really learning anything new apart from the fact that Stain is just so chunky. Elson didn't cover himself in glory as I reserved 10, so I'm just giving credence to Rashi's decision to have Stain at 10. Um, I'm just a bit annoyed that Stain pe- didn't cover himself with glory either. Jesus, the man looked out, out of breath. He looked less fit than I am on the Yes, man. No, it's like, yeah, maybe that's There's why. There's a lot of people. 
a lot of people saying that Stan played himself into the number 12 jersey. What? Yeah. Uh, uh, like a, a lot of people on social media are like, there, there you have it. Now we know that Stan can do yeah. a job in the number 12 jersey because he, uh, he, like he had one clean break against an amateur Namibian well, team. You had one clean break and you was fucked for the rest of the game. Did you not see? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, uh, I'm sorry. N- Namibia, Namibia have six professionals. I think the term semi-professional <laughs> Namibian team would be fairer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sorry, this was ben, their B, this was their B team. Ben, the professionals weren't playing. Thought I, I thought injured. I thought this team had six professionals. Their A team has more professionals. Uh, maybe. Hmm. Uh, I, th- anyway. I thought I also am I wrong? Was Delande? I thought Delande was very good against New Zealand. I, I thought actually I thought that was, was the best I've seen him play in a long time. Yeah, he was. Delende, I was I was talking to Phil about this this morning. Delende has been consistently good for the last like two to three years, and uh, even even when he has his worst games, he's the the worst thing you can say about him is that he's uninspiring. You'll it's never. Funny. It's just SA's least favorite player. No, thing. no, Alec, Alec, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When he kicks, his kicking is complete and utter no. horseshit. He's yeah, not allowed to kick. He does that like once every two games, Ben. Like it is. I know it's it's it is a one weakness. One stupid grabber three. Like, a weakness. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. The thing is, he's he's a low. He's a low. He's, he's a low risk. Floor he's player. a low risk player. Like that's and that's yeah. I think what what our game plan requires there. Like he's not going to exactly. miss. He's not going to miss tackles, and he's not going to make the wrong decision because he doesn't have the creativity to make the wrong decision. Really. But but Ben, you yeah, just and said he, and he's he not a position. He every now and then he kicks. So yeah, is, but like, fuck, sorry. <laughs> I can, yeah, I, but more regularly he passes, which is I think is we shouldn't just ignore. Mm. No, I just anyway, it's like my point is that Dallander is like he's he's he gets hated on for for some reason, but it's totally blown out of proportion. But no, um, I just, I'd like to know how many of the people who hate him, hate on him, are also exactly the guys that said that France, France then yeah. should not be. Well, like exactly. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that I, 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 I'm that guessing, team. I'm guessing people who hate on DDA also want Bismarck back. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Don't, don't, <laughs> don't <laughs> mention, don't mention that. Yeah, Andrew, you know. Don't yeah, I mean that's anyway. So I, I thought I, I thought your best man we're referring to now. Uh, he's not my best man, first of all, and and secondly, uh, Bismarck's a done deal. I, I don't want to hear his name spoken in vain anymore, Ben. You know, we must remember him, not think about him ever again. Look, if if we if we're getting in a a, a South African hooker from a foreign league, I think we all know who it's going to be. Jabba. Oh, sorry, Joseph Dwayne. Sorry. Sorry, Ben. Jabba. I don't know how it's going to happen. I want him. Well, Ben's, I, like, Ben's like, fuck, fuck the lenders chip kicks. I want Jabba's chip kicks. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. I, I just heard foreign and I thought foreign team. I was like, we need Jabba. He will complete us. <laughs> I was, it wasn't bigger, but I, whenever I think of uh, Dwayne now, I think of you, Ben. Especially after that heat run in the, in the Pro 14. Yeah, so. Uh, I mean, Weber and Ben both have the same same. I'm telling, I'm telling you, uh, him and 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 Tyro Green. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add Sevi Reese away. I spotted his talent early. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you spotted that he was starting, and you needed an outside back. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> I, I watched, I watched uh, Mitra Ten, Mitra Ten. What? I'm oh, sorry, I heard the pronunciation the other day. Yeah, I, I, Nicola corrected me twice. Um, so I'm not going to try again. Otherwise, I'm going to fuck it up. Is it just meat ray? No, it's my turn. It's like a stingray, but with meat. Um, 
Moving on. I guess talking about RSA. <laughs> I'll, I'll, leave you, this I'll leave you with that image in your yes. mind. <laughs> uh, takeaways. Chris, did you watch the RSA versus Namibia game or that match? Uh, listen, man, I, I wasn't. I just wasn't able to watch rugby at that stage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Break. Moving on. Uh, ben, Ben, what were, what, were your, what were your takeaways from the game? Um, I, uh, I, I spewed mine off, so maybe you got uh, more insight. Uh, I think. I think it. I think it pretty much went to went to script. Eh? Like there wasn't. There, so, you know, it, it 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 happened. Like I, I I kind of hoped we would get a bit more. A bit more creative, but I think we, I, I think, think we got creative nation we got think. as much out of it as we could have. Let's say that. Like what? I'm not so I'm not I'm not so sure about that. Sorry, I, just wanna, I, I just want to yeah, I'm just. I don't know. What do we learn? Because we we, 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 we we stuck to our okay. Scott Brits and Ed kind of throws uh, spits in this, but we sort of we, <laughs> we stuck to our like our method and we and we converted it. Like that, that's all we could have really done there. Yeah, so. so from a from a team perspective, I agree. From an individual perspective, I think there was a lot more on offer that didn't get capitalized on. So people were saying on Twitter like this is you can't play yourself into the team against uh, against a country like Namibia, but you can play yourself out of it. Mm. And and I think that's a, a pretty fair point. And the way I saw it, and I don't know if this is the same way that Rusty sees it, but in my mind there's still there are still some soft positions in the current Springbok team so when I say soft I mean like guys who are still on the bubble that could end up losing their jersey if one or two things don't go their way and Elton for me was gift wrapped with an opportunity to prove to Rossi that he should have been on the bench against the All Blacks instead of Francois Stan and that he needs to be on the bench again against uh, whoever our quarterfinal opponent is and similarly, France Stan had a had a, a chance to prove that Rossi was right to trust him all along. I don't think either of those players made a particularly good case for themselves against Namibia, but it's pretty clear that Alton made a worse case than Stan, in my mind. I haven't seen Alton play that bad for a long time. I'm yeah. not his biggest fan, but I do I do think he's better than most people give him credit for. And I was really I've been as you guys know I've been. I've been punting for him to to take France or Stan's place on the bench for a while now. And I was convinced that in this game we would see Alton at his best. I mean, it's like a sandbox for the guy. You know, you're playing against the lowest ranked team in the World Cup. You've got a bunch of guys who are also trying to play their way into the team. You'd think he'd be, like, given license to do whatever he wanted. Like, just do some cool Alton things. And, you know, don't don't miss any kicks of goal, for example. Like, do the basics right, do one or two cool things, and then you'll almost guarantee the jersey. Say, don't do some Alton things and then say, don't miss kicks of goal. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that's not complete. <laughs> no, but this is what I'm saying. Like, he had the chance to, to do the good stuff and not do the bad stuff. Because yeah. that's obviously what that's obviously what Rusty's, Rusty's worried about, right? Yes, you bring Alton off the bench and he creates a try, and then he misses the kick of goal and you lose the game. This was a chance for him to show that that's not the Alton that he is anymore and yeah. instead we got the worst of Alton not even the good stuff like he was just he was knocking the ball on he was passing behind people's backs he was missing relatively easy kicks of goal he did a he did a Andre Pollard where he just misses touch or he but yeah, he didn't miss touch he overkicked into the dead ball um, yeah it was just I I'm now very torn I don't know what we should be doing with our number 22 jersey at the moment because I don't trust Francois Stane's utility, 
and I don't think Elton can really do a job for us against the bigger teams anymore. So in that sense, it was an opportunity missed. Yeah, I agree. Do you think Elton's fallen off the boil? Because, you know, we always talk about him being like the ultimate confidence player. Yeah. And um, do you think he's yeah. kind of... Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's sort of low at the moment. Because, because of France staying in a way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that is, that, is, that is what's happened, yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, I just wanted anyway, to, so, to just to mention what Ben said. Uh, I guess uh, touching also what you said, Alex. You know, it's a, a, a sandwich of logic. In a way, uh, the Springboks are always on a hiding to nothing when playing. I'm proof of that. I guess I'm being a hypocrite here. When playing a minnow team, in a sense, if you don't beat them by 80, people are going to be unhappy. Uh, and if you play badly, as you said, you play yourself out the team. And I do agree with you. Elton was poor. I just kind of felt uh, he's always been a bit of a confidence player, watching from the outside, mm-hmm. and that, that didn't really appear to be there. Um, I'm glad I'm uh, got a trial on the scoreboard, but Shay, I sometimes feel he's a bit starved of ball. But ultimately, I don't think we learned too much. Though seeing our scrum mints the Namibians was quite fun. Uh, I don't know, Matt, did that, uh, did, yeah. that, did, that, did that put a smile on your face? Because I did. I actually felt bad for them. I really did. It's like, it's like it seemed a bit unfair. Uh, Matt. Matt. Well, I wasn't listening. Sorry, I blanked out completely. Oh, I've just served you. Okay, uh, uh, moving on. Okay. You, you, you said the word. You said the word scrum, and he just went into raptures, like he went into his own world. Yeah, his eyes rolled back into his head. You know. Uh, okay, well, you, you... I, can I can I come out a little bit in defense of the Namibian scrum because I actually think that they did as bit like did better than most people thought they would. Like they they were able to actually defend their own ball quite well just by going super quickly, like. Super, yeah. super quick feed, super quick pick up yeah. in the back, and I thought it was it was good. It was pleasing for me as a Namibian fan to see them overcome that early like dominance yeah, to some degree. Actually, you learn from your mistakes. Yeah, they were able to keep. Yeah, exactly, and they they learned from their mistakes and were somewhat competitive. So I thought it was okay, mm. but um, yeah. So but before we move on, like I, I, the two other performances, I'm trying to think if there's someone else. Oh yeah, three. There are two and a half people who I think were impacted by the game as individuals. So like the first is Warwick Kalant, because similar to Andre Pollard, who played poorly against New Zealand, <coughs> single thought is being pretty poor against New Zealand as well. Yeah. And Kalant is the natural replacement. Did we did we get the feeling that Kalant is like an option to take over from Valley? Not really. No, he doesn't so, move the ball fast enough. Often he, yeah, so every think, now and then, makes bad decisions. Not bad decisions. Uh, apparent, oh, poorer decisions. When he should pass, he runs... Um, less great, less great. yeah. He's, <laughs> he's he's a running he's a running fullback, which isn't really what we play around. So I think Vili is probably resting a bit easier after that game. Then um, Spoon Corsi was given a rare chance to start together with Mapimpi. I was hoping to see Corsi on the left wing, and mm. again, same story. Like the left jersey, left wing jersey is kind of soft at the moment for the Springboks, but we didn't learn anything because Corsi got like no. No ball to play the with. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was very frustrating. I really wish we'd used this game as more of a trial for a player like Bunkosi, and we didn't, so that's annoying. And then the only person who I think probably came out of it a bit of a winner from the starting 15 was uh, Vincent Koch. Um, obviously, you don't read too much into a Namibian scrum, but Trevor Nyakani's uh, injury has left like a bit of a gaping hole there. And I think he made a pretty good case for himself to be the starting tight head over over Malherber. 
but I don't think that that Rossi will go that way. So, but it's still good just to get Vincent Crocker full game because well, we're going to need him in the. In the look, I know Thomas Atore. Thomas Atore. He ended up on the field later on. I wouldn't go as far to say that he'll start against Malherbe. Um I'm actually comfortable with Malherbe starting. No, but but certainly, Cocker's the as... bench option, hundred um, percent. And I, I'm not unhappy when he comes on. Uh, more, more, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Whereas if you if you if you'd done a bit of a Dean Crailing on us, then I could have oh, seen <laughs> even Thomas Detroit leapfrogging him, which he didn't do. So it, that was good. Yeah. All right. Bongi did do badly. I liked Bongi's performance while I was still Bongi should, enough A lot of people have been saying Bongi should start and Marks should finish. That and would I don't, be a I bad don't hate that idea. I don't, I'm not, I don't hate that idea either because uh, I was groggy by the end of the game, but. For the start of the game, he was very good. Groggy. That's uh, quite quite a euphemism, Matt. So, <laughs> all right. Well, well like, as I said, as I said, uh, my new best friends were very enthusiastic every time we scored. <laughs> and Bongi, Bongi hit me twice. So, oh, the fucker. All right. Okay. Well, let's move on to one of the main events. Uh, let, let's let's get into it. It's Japan versus Italy. Um, just just a TF Chris before before letting him speak. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll, uh, he was quoted on ITV after the game. He just noted that Ireland, after losing 19-12, and they're probably the biggest upset, even more so than South Africa. Come on, you see, there's a meme floating around. Chris of Heineken may smiling now because Ireland now lost. O'Driscoll uh, <laughs> said that Ireland looked devoid of ideas, uh, devoid of energy. He, he, then he made some comments about the conditions, um, and he said the mood of the whole country has shifted in 80 minutes. Is that the case? There's a lot to unpick there. I mean, first of all, I think yeah, I think it's fair to say. Apologies, it's a train passing. I think it's fair to say that um, it is actually more surprising than the South Africa loss. I mean, if you if you look back on the South Africa game in Brighton, and I don't know if you guys have much, and I'd forgive you for not. You, you picked a sort of second-string team. I'm looking at you, Zane Kirchner. Uh, you blew a lot of chances. Um, you, you got a, you got a little bit shocked by it, and you lost. You know that's quite different to what happened yesterday, which was Ireland picked the fittest, the fittest team available. Um, you know, if it had been a knockout game, we might have picked Johnny Sexton despite a slight injury. But, but basically, we picked a first-string team, um, given a few injuries. Um, and and we still lost and we didn't blow chances uh, after we scored our second try in the 23rd 24th minute or whatever it was we never looked like we were going to score again um now that said Brian O'Driscoll's analysis is like a little bit lazy um you know uh, like just you take a glance at ESPN Arla passed the ball 166 times against Japan we passed it 92 times against Scotland who we absolutely rinsed um we beat 14 defenders and we had 10 clean breaks six offloads. They're actually all good stats for Ireland. You know, they're all creative stats for Ireland. We had a few nice cross kicks and the work. We just, I don't know what happened. We just stopped, we stopped playing the game after the 30th minute. And we were completely dominant for the first 30. So, uh, like, no no defense, no apologies. Mm. You know, we, we, we got beaten by a better team. Yeah. Uh, so, so first of all, uh, I'm surprised to hear you call Brian O'Driscoll's uh, analysis lazy because I thought there was a, a law in Ireland against saying anything bad about him. Um, but I, I do tend to agree. Um, I also think that the Japan win in Brighton was a bigger upset than this. Um, a lot of people are saying like Ireland being number one in the world, you know, recently is. It like makes it a bigger shock, but I don't know. We've we've all set up piece about the world rankings and how little they kind of 
how little we should read into them going into this World Cup. But the point is that like Japan made a statement in Brighton, Brighton four years ago that they've been building on up until this point. Mm. And they are a professional outfit. That they, they didn't have that advantage four years ago. Four years ago, they came out of nowhere. This time, they came out of Brighton. So Ireland should have known. And we probably should have seen it coming a little bit more than we did. Um, I still don't think anyone would have bet on it. But, well, not, not knowing the... I saw there was someone on Twitter who had a sweepstake a bet, and by mistake, he'd bet on Japan to beat Ireland. So he'd given up on the sweepstake. And then suddenly he had to go dig his ticket out of the rubbish bin or something. Uh, <laughs> but um, but anyway, no, I, I think uh, yeah, I think I think Chris has got the got it pretty much bang on. Um, it, it was just a, a, a little bit of complacency from some of the players. I was really disappointed in Jacob Stockdale. Uh, he's been really built up in the uh, the the weeks before this World Cup. And I was really excited when I watched him play a few times. Um, he just looked kind of slow and a bit off the pace, and like, like he thought he could just kind of get an easy try here and there. There was one uh, one moment where he had a bit of clear space in front of him, and he just got hunted down by Matsushima, I think it was. Um, mm. And you just feel like if it, if he was in that same position against a team like England, he wouldn't have just made a canter straight for the line. He would have tried something else. He would have turned on a few tricks in order to score the try and it seemed like he thought he might not need them and he was wrong mm. um, and similarly I think the, like the Irish forwards they just didn't seem like the same guys that we've been seeing dominate in Six Nations rugby for example even guys like uh, James Ryan CJ Stunder they had relatively quiet games by their standards um, I thought Tad Furlong was okay, but the, the the Irish pack as a whole were not looking good. Um, and I, I, I think it was Ben who pointed out that it was when the scrum started struggling that Japan really got into the game. Um, and that is definitely a concern for Joe Schmidt, I think, because against the bigger teams with the stronger packs than Japan who, as we all know, have a habit of playing Vimpy van der Valt at lock, um, they're going to they're gonna have problems. So, yeah, a bit worrying. No, look, it's nothing that isn't fixable, but, yeah, maybe a mental a mental problem that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest problems I had in the whole game was our, our kicking game, which, which, I mean, everyone gets frustrated when you lose and your kicking game sucks, but, like, we didn't find touch. We looked like we could threaten their line out. We didn't. We didn't make them take any line outs. We didn't put up contestable yeah. kicks. Uh, Murray seemed off. It. Cardi was a little bit out of his depth. Uh, a bit of a, a bit of an Elton Janchi's Cardi, but a little bit earlier in his kind of trajectory. I mean, he's yeah. not a young player, but he was. Uh, he was in the doldrums for a long, long time, and yeah. he'll be disappointed with with not taking his chance. Now, I, I'm genuinely not mad at the game, and I don't know if you've seen the videos of Irish fans over there, but they all do seem to be having a good time. The problem mm. with losing a game like this... The, 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 the Irish are a single two about having a good time, though. Like, I reckon the, the Irish probably... <laughs> yeah. The the problem with losing a game like this isn't isn't the memes from you guys and the, the banter. It's the pressure back home. There's a lot of a lot of writers back here, a lot of sports journalists. Mm. It's the same in Australia, I think, and it might have been the same in, in South Africa kind of 20 years ago, uh, who take great pleasure in the rugby team yes. losing. Uh, mm. And it's... Uh, 
it's really annoying. So uh, yeah. when you have that one-off loss against Japan, you know, from my point of view, I don't care. You don't win quarterfinals in the pool stage. And all I care about at this World Cup is winning a quarterfinal. Uh, the bookies still have Scotland as favourites for Japan. So there's still a pretty good chance we're going to see you guys in Yokohama. And we better because I have tickets to that match, but I don't have a ticket to the other quarterfinals. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you I, could uh, find that. Chris, Chris maybe, maybe tell the Irish team this. Be like, listen, guys, yeah. for my for my logistics, do you, got, do you guys mind just winning the – just <laughs> sorting it out? Actually, I guess you have to tell the Scottish team. Huh? Yeah, you have to tell the Scots. Uh, I, need, I need the Scots to hook me up. Yeah, my mum my is Scottish, so I'm halfway there, but uh, – Oh, listen, uh, Japan were class. I mean, is, is there anything to be said about it? They, they play rugby a different way than anyone else plays rugby. I think that's why we gave away so many penalties. We just couldn't handle the dynamism, the speed, the gain line successes they were getting with the little offloads. I was pretty impressed with their game against Russia, how almost every single time a player got tackled, the first instinct was back to the feet, recollect the ball three more yards, right? Move the point of contact in the rook. And Ireland had learned from that. They were holding in the rook a little bit longer, but they were also forced to go lower as a result. And that I think that gave us the, the Japanese more momentum. And we adapted to that part of their game, but we couldn't. We just couldn't adapt to the other part of the game. And it's why, you know, if you look at Ireland under the Joe Schmidt era, we never concede more penalties than the opposition. But in that game yesterday, we conceded nine, they conceded six. And I think they conceded four of those six in that first 20. And then their discipline was just superb. And they forced us to make the mistakes that they didn't make. So mm. no issues. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I really like your point about the, um, the Irish media. And I, I sort of somewhat jokingly on Twitter during the game said, um, you know, if only Ireland had Devin Toner, then none of this would be happening. And <laughs> I'm assuming you're in an article now. <laughs> yeah, probably is a matter of time. But um, but, the, but the thing is, like, I think there are a lot of people who who will basically make that same argument without a hint of irony. And we'll basically say, oh, you know, this is a sign of the the sort of foreign creep into, you know, the once proud Irish nation or whatever. Um, and it's just such a load of bullshit. Like, I really hope that isn't happening. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure that it is, but it's. I hope we don't end up giving it more airtime or oxygen than it deserves because that's such a that's such a ridiculous argument. Um, yeah, but then on, yeah. on Japan, I just think like they. They just they punch above their weight. Like there's no other way to put it. They they take a player like Michael Leach, who probably wouldn't be starting for any any other tier one nation and doesn't even start for his own team. You know, he's, he benches behind Amanaki Mafi despite essentially being the captain. And yet he looks so good every time he comes on the field because he takes nothing for granted. Like none of their players, you know, have the mindset of a tier two nation or a minnow nation. And I think it was Joe Schmidt, Joe Schmidt who said after the game that Ireland have only been, been preparing for this for one week, whereas Japan have been preparing for it for the last you know year or two. And that showed in their attitude and the way they played the game. And you know they they I think are personified in, in players like Michael Leach and uh, Lafayette and Lapis Lubiskachny, who yeah he was so good. But like they they were just so focused like. They they were so switched into the game that even when they made a mistake, they minimized the impact. They there was no lapse in concentration or slowdown of effort or you know they never took their foot off the gas. 
And I think that's what ended up winning the game for them. Is And this goes back to what we were saying earlier about how Tier 1 nations will come out firing in the first 20 minutes, get a big lead against a minnow team, and then hope that they could kind of coast until the end. And against Japan, you can't do that because they're never going to stop. They're just going to keep going for 80 minutes. And all it takes is a, you know, that, that, that momentary lapse in the 70, uh, 77th minute or whatever it was to throw an intercept pass to someone like Kenki Fukuoka, who unfortunately couldn't convert it, but th- that was the moment when they won the game because everyone mm. kind of knew, and I'm sure the Irish players knew as well, that there was just no coming back for that. Um, and to be that late in the game, the 77th minute, and to not just be thinking to yourself, okay, we just need to not, not give up a try, but actually be thinking in the back of your mind, if I see the ball coming out, I'm going for the intercept. Like, that's a mad attitude to have in a game like that. Um, and it's, yeah, there's something very special about the way I, Japan played yesterday. And honestly, I I don't know if, if, if the Springboks would have beaten them that if they were in that mood yesterday. So, yeah, all jokes aside, I, I do have one joke left. Uh, all jokes aside, I, I don't put any or much of the blame on Ireland for this. I think the credit goes to Japan. Mm. Uh, Chris, just to ask, from from a team perspective, you said it was pretty much the fittest Irish team Josh Schmidt could should, could name. And Schmidt also made comments about Gardner's policing of the offside line. Two questions: the first, um, any any players do you think should be replaced by bench options or within the squad? And also, uh, do you think Ireland were a little bit unlucky in terms? Of, I, I don't want to bang on too much about referees, but within the context of the game, it's important to note. You think Gardner? Uh, could have been a bit stricter, or, or is that immaterial in terms of the result? Uh, I mean, it, it's um, it's not a, it's not immaterial. I think uh, Gardner was um, a little bit. Gardner is, is already a referee that's going to favor Japan's style, and when a referee fails favors one style over another, that's when the feedback has to be you play the referee. Okay, so fair enough. Favors the style, you play the referee. There's nothing you can do about that. There was a few. I did feel the offside line was slightly different for the two teams <laughs> at times. Um, <laughs> that happens when you're losing. That that also happens when the other team are playing a very dynamic rook offload game. So no huge complaints. And uh, listen, as I said, Gardner won World Ref of the Year last year. You know, um, he he made mistakes. He made a big mistake in the box England game yes. uh, regarding Farrell. Yeah. But, uh, and Farrell's first tackle was uh, great either. Anyway. Yeah. So. Continue. Would would we have would would we have won that game with Garces or Poit or Barnes? Yeah, probably. Would we have won it with Owens? Maybe not. Would we have won it with Piper? Definitely not. And uh, we probably would have lost three players to injuries. So it's all good. Like uh, in terms of personnel changes, um, I think I think Cardi's not up to it. I think you're going to see Sexton, um, Farrell and Ringrose. You know, going into this World Cup, we thought the center partnership were going to be Aki and Henshaw. Henshaw got injured in the first training session. Aki got injured in the, the match last week against Scotland. So they're already second-choice centers in both positions. Now, for me, Ringrose is the first-choice center, and he was bloody superb. Yep. Seven defenders beaten, four clean breaks, a try, a couple offloads. Um, so I, th- I think Farrell goes. He's injured anyway. He failed his HIA in the end. So he's going to go, I'd mm. say, uh, hopefully um, a fit Henshaw or a fit uh, Aki goes in there. Up front... Um, Man, I, I was disappointed with the amount of penalties given away by Omani and Stander. Um, mm. It looked for all the world like Jack Conan was going to play this week at eight. He was going to move Stander to six, where he's actually played his best rugby recently. Um, and then Jack Conan broke his foot in in the in training. 
So he got sent home yesterday. He got replaced with Jordy Murphy. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jordy Murphy go almost straight into the team. Where, I'm not sure, but uh, it wouldn't shock me. And then Henderson and Ryan are very, very good players. But if we were to get to a quarterfinal against South Africa, and I still think that's likely, I wonder, given the massive... I think the, I looked at the, the kind of expected starting packs and South Africa's starting packs, about 34 kg is heavier than the Irish starting pack. Um, and a lot of that's just down to, to Peter Steph the toy. Um, <laughs> I wonder... <laughs> Like, like literally a, a lot of it. Um, I wonder, is, is there something to be said for, uh, for Jean Klain getting his shot? You know, um, mm. he, he hasn't got that much heat in the Irish press this week because he didn't play, which is handy. Um, and I wonder, <laughs> would you put him in, put him in at lock and move Henderson to six or something similar? Uh, but other wow. than that, other than that, I, I remember, I remember Gav, Gavin really fancied Henderson at six. Like he was very he was very keen on this option to to bulk up the pack, like you said, and he reckons mm. Henderson can do a job at six. Has he? Like, has he played there? Yeah. So how much he, how much has he yeah. played there for Ulster? Well, even for Ireland, when he started his career, he played six a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think Ulster were Ulster were forced to move him into the second row. Uh, so he okay. started his Ulster career at six, and then you know Ireland, like the provinces, are very, very, very directly controlled by the union. So uh, yeah. they uh, they pushed Henderson into second row um, because when kind of O'Connell, O'Callaghan, and Donica Ryan moved on, there was a real uh, concern about second row. But yeah. there's not there's not too much. I'm not too panicked about it. Uh, as I said, um, you don't win quarterfinals in the pool, uh, mm, yeah. and I don't care about losing to Japan. What I find, what I, what I've struggled with with rugby, you know, is when I started supporting Ireland, we hadn't won a Grand Slam in 64 years, and every single time the Six Nations start, and you're watching TV, and the commentator goes, "Here comes Ireland," and just a reminder that haven't won a Grand Slam in 64 years. <laughs> hated that. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I hated we had never beaten the All Blacks, and now we, now yeah. no one can say that anymore. I hated when Leinster yeah. had never won a Heineken Cup, and we always remind them, and now they can't say that anymore. So I just want to win the damn quarterfinal. I'll, I'll sacrifice the firstborn. I don't care. Um, so. <laughs> And yeah. and for me, I'm pretty agnostic as to whether it's the box or the Oblax. Uh, I think yeah. the Oblax are slightly better than Springwatch right now, but yeah. I also yeah. I also think to a certain extent um, we would come in against the radar against the Oblax a little bit more. And we've got a couple of players on our team, you know, Stockdale, yeah, uh, Ryan, yeah, who've never lost to them uh, for long. They don't know what it feels like to lose to them. Um, and they played them in some big games, so uh, so I'm, I'm pretty agnostic as, as to either. I'm not too disappointed with yesterday's results. Uh, Japan's a country of 130 million people, who by all accounts are delighted. Um, that that could have been really the biggest pool game in Rugby World Cup history. I, I don't know how many people were watching on TV, but population of Japan dwarves all the rest of our countries. So that could have been uh, the the rugby gods could have written that result, and it could have been perfect for them and. You know, small sacrifice. <laughs> if a couple of us in Ireland are unhappy mm. with how it went. Um, okay, well then let's turn to our attention to Japan, Matt. Uh, they face Scotland in their in their next pool game. Do you think that they should look to play a more second string t- second string team uh, in their next pool game, which I believe is against? Forgive me, I'm trying to find it now. <sighs> Why aren't I prepared? All right, it's coming. There you go. Uh, they face Samoa. Ooh, 
Okay, so no, no, no. look, Japan no, no, no. on, on a, like a must win. There's no room for them mm. to play a second string side. Look, then... you, you, you got to remember, Japan are, are like Chris is like they're playing. To, uh, Ireland's playing to get to the semi final. Japan just needs to make it out of the pool. Yeah, that, that's all they that's all they care about. They have no reason now to hold back anything against Samoa and Scotland. Those are two must win games. And then after that, they could go down 50-0 in a quarterfinal, oh, and no one, no one will care because they'll just remember it for the World Cup when Japan made it out of the pool for the first time ever. Yeah, especially seeing as they're the one team that's won three games and not made it out of the pool, which everyone seems to be banding about now all of a sudden, which is fair. Yeah. Yes, but it always happens like people just dig up these stats. Like no one's ever mentioned this stat before, and suddenly it's the most relevant stat in the world. No. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, well, I think I don't remember it being quite, a, a big of a the deal. saying goes: it's only relevant until someone does it. In a way, I guess. Yeah. Like the, the, so, who, no one's ever won the World Cup without winning a pool game. Uh, the, the without thing. losing a pool game, fuck Adam. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Why, uh, no one's won a World Cup without <laughs> winning a pool game. <laughs> Jesus, I want to see this World Cup. Ben, why? Why does Japan keep? Sorry. Why do Japan keep targeting the harder game? I mean, four years ago they targeted the Springboks, and this this time it looks like they really targeted us. Why didn't they just target Scotland twice? You know, why didn't they target Scotland four years ago? Then they would have got through four years ago. And, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it'll be a terrible shame. Yeah, it'll be a terrible maybe shame they, if they lose to Scotland and go out again. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, maybe the logic is that if they can win the harder game, they can win the, the easier easy game. Easy game will flow from that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I think That's a good question. What, 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 has someone done the permutation? So if Japan lose to Scotland, what, what happens? It depends. Someone, I, I've done the permutation. Bonus, yeah, bonus, bonus points, points as well. So we, we don't, but, we, we yeah, won't yeah. really yeah, well, know well, what's well, at stake until the game arrives. Yeah, cause, cause Ireland got that bonus point against Japan, which might become mm-hmm. quite significant actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ireland are gonna, Ireland are gonna top the pool, I think. I think that's, Without a doubt, unless unless uh, unless Japan win all their remaining games, so but Ireland you, are going. Are you so you 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 believe Scotland will beat Japan at this point? No, I think no, I think I think I think Japan will beat Scotland. But you think they'll lose to Samoa then? Because if Japan win all their games, they'll top the pool. No, no, no. Sorry, yeah. So just to be clear, I, I made a mistake. So I don't think yeah. Ireland's necessarily going to top the pool, but they're guaranteed to go through the playoffs. Is what I meant. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. When they especially with Thunder. So I don't think they're. Yeah. Okay, so, so I, I think the permutation is presuming everyone beats Samoa with a bonus point mm, and Russia with know. a bonus point. Yeah, and then know. Japan, if Japan lose to Scotland with a bonus point, they still they don't. Yeah, they still then they, they still don't have to go head. Yeah, it's not, they it's, it's, yeah. they'll be head to head with Scotland. They want to be head to head with Ireland, basically. So yeah. there's no way that yeah. can really happen unless someone drops a bonus point against one of the small teams. Yeah. Or if, so if, think, if, if if Japan and Scotland both get bonus point, try bonus points, and Japan get a losing bonus point in that game, which isn't very likely. Mm. Uh, quick poll okay, of yeah. all the uh, non-Irish Irish members of the pod: Who do I face <laughs> in a quarterfinal? Japan or Ireland? I'd rather say Japan. I, I, I want to say Japan. Japan. Yeah, people Japan. Are so, people Japan. are saying Japan. Japan. But we, we, like we we've just spoken about how like Ireland, like getting to a quarterfinal is not enough for them. They're there to win a quarterfinal and get to the semis. Japan will be like, sweet guys, we made it. 
Yeah, and we, we did it. Like, we achieved our objective, we, and like anything done. that happens from here on out is but just great. Notice this is like mini Plus. groundswell saying, "Ooh, guys, watch out for Japan." It's like, guys, Ireland are maybe off the Wales, probably one of the best coached, if, especially if you ask. Well, if you ask Ben, Steve Hansen's a terrible coach, but Ireland are one of the world's <laughs> best. He's not a terrible coach. He just has good players. <laughs> Uh, I'm one of the world's best coach teams. Uh, sorry, Matt. Uh, I'm no, but we also drove, we we we, we, we beat Japan, Japan like, like two weeks ago as yeah, well. Like, exactly. why would we like want to play? I don't think there's anyone. I don't think there's anyone suggesting we'd rather face Ireland than no, Japan. I I don't want to that's, face Ireland. That's bad. Prior to this game, I that was would... I was thinking about that Ireland quarterfinal, and I was getting stressed because it's it's far yeah, from same. a foregone conclusion. So uh, thanks, yeah. Japan. Uh, and Chris, it's just to show we all respect Ireland. It's just. A, a hell of a result. I guess that's all. That's all. Yeah. That's all we could really say. All right, look, let, let's leave it there uh, for now. And it, uh, any final thoughts? Can, can I say a couple? Yeah, can I say a couple more quick things? Like yes. the first is um, something that I think Mitch mentioned on Facebook, which I think bears repeating here, which is that the Irish fans have shown themselves to be a true model of sportsmanship. Um, I don't think any other nation would respond with as much kind of humility and grace to being on the receiving end of an upset like this. And we know for a fact that South African fans can't claim that. Uh, so I think it's just really good. It's really good for the sport to be able to get beaten by a team and take it on the chin and, and say, you know, it was fair play to them. So I think, I think we, we owe the Irish supporting group uh, congratulations for that, I think. Hmm. Um, yeah, because do you know who had a go at the Irish? Adam's best man. Yeah, well, no surprise. He posted a, he posted a meme about it saying like, "Oh, I haven't heard from the Irish lately." And I was like, "What the fuck, dude?" Like, yeah, if you haven't heard, from Irish, like, heard from the Irish, the Irish have been yeah. so like so like graceful about this actually. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, and, and then the other thing, um, just quickly, we mentioned it briefly, but uh, Carberry's decision to, to to kick out at the end of the game. Uh, my that initial response. Yeah, my initial response was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, yeah, I, just, I yeah, thought he I had same. like a, <laughs> an, his an face something. looked pained, and like he wasn't yeah. sure what he was doing. I, so I, yeah, yeah, and I think that that I think is. Um, so just to be clear, the situation was they were losing with the bonus point. The best they could do in that moment was draw, draw if they got a converted try. The worst they could do in that moment was concede another try and fall out of bonus point range. I think. And they were on their five meter, yeah. like yeah. the ball came up points. on their five meter. Yeah. So, so after, after, after yeah, yeah. I just I just want to say like I, I said it insane, right? I think it's the right decision to end the game. We got to try a bonus point against Scotland, so a bonus point against Japan. We're all still we're all still in great shape. Why the hell did he kick it so long? The first time round, it was it was a fantastic clearance. I must say, really. I think it was. I think it was. I think he had like. I think it was schizophrenic. Like I think that was the best great. Irish touch finder of the game. Because it came out like near the halfway line. Didn't yeah, it? no, it was, it I think, was I think it's the pain. This is the pain expression that that someone just mentioned. Like honestly, I think he he had like an inner turmoil. I don't know if he oh. if he fully was like one hundred percent sure of what he was yeah. doing, and like yeah, I don't know if he really wanted to do it. Like I think he, his brain knew he needed to do it, but yeah. his body was like, "What are you doing?" I think that's why, like, he couldn't bring himself to, to like fully commit to it. And I think part of him was hoping that it would stay in bounds. Um, I don't know. It, it was weird, but I, I hope he. Uh, Alex, too much. Yeah. 
are you saying the best mental space to be in is to kicking for touch is just inner turmoil? Like, like yeah. you've got to be thinking about like leaving your wife or whatever, and then you just bang beautiful touch finders the whole time. Is that the key? No, we just he's, really need to go fuck like, up Pollard's day every time just before he goes on. <laughs> yeah, so, someone just like pour a bit of like juice on his boot every time. He's like, why the fuck did that guy do that? Like bang, bang bagging sixty meter touch finders the whole time. Because yeah, I mean, yeah. Because I mean, if, if Pollard was in that situation, he would probably would have put it. He was probably wouldn't have put it out at all, like just straight into Matsushima's hands. who was for some reason all the way back there. Yeah. Was it uh, was it Hogard playing for South Africa who tapped a quick penalty and then kicked it out on the full? Yes. Yes. God. Fuck <laughs> that guy. Oh, so well, I mean, Carberry's moment. Carberry's moment would have overtaken that as the worst moment in rugby if he hadn't found touch in Japan and scored off it. You know, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, it's basically <laughs> what happened. 2007 Super Rugby final between the Sharks and the Bulls. Mm. Uh, the Sharks had a chance to kind of close the game out, and then was Francois Stain missed touch, I think. And yeah, then next thing you know, Brian mm-hmm. Abandon scoring scoring a, a try to win the you game. Mean, incumbent box 12, Francois yeah. Stain. Final thoughts on this, yeah, by the way. Right. Oh, we just need to move on. Uh, yes, Ben. Oh, so, so, some, something I did read. They say to end the game. The ball has to go out between the out of the touchline between the two tri, uh, between the two try lines, so you know not in the dead ball areas. But yeah. I'm sure I've seen I teams kick, like turn around and sort of kick the ball. Drive, there's been so many of that. There's been yeah, so many it's it's. That. I think it changed recently. Oh, so so it's a it's a recent thing. Okay. Mm. Even in super, but, why, that, but that's a stupid distinction. Why can't you just kick it back? Like who cares? It's the same reason why you can't throw it out. Yeah, there's the yeah, same reason as you can't throw it out. Alex hates that rule, Chris. Don't yeah, bring don't that get, up. Don't like... get me started on it. Don't <laughs> get me started on it. Anyway. Mm. All right. Uh, should we move on to yes. the other big game of the week? Yes. Uh, Australia-Wales. Uh, a hell of a game ending 25-29 to the Walsh. The major flashpoints in the game, and uh, I said, I'm not always one to, to believe Michael Choker, but it was when Simon Karevi was penalised. Uh, for the cat, he he was a monster throughout the game uh, as well. What a great yeah. rugby player! I'm glad I had him in draft. Yes. Then I sold him uh, to full, which was a, a huge yeah. no, was, son of a bitch. That was a huge error. Uh, he carried the ball, and then who was the it was the Welsh reserve because Bigar had gone off for an HIA. He carried uh, high into uh, the tackle. Passion. Thank you. Uh, he carried high into the tackle, and just because and, and he carries that way. His elbow, obviously you can't lead with the elbow, his elbow slid up the chest of Patrol towards the neck. He was penalized a penalty, and I think uh, Michael Hooper said it best. Um, that was terrible tackle technique on Patchell. Um Thoughts? I thought Australia got, got uh, fucked over there, personally speaking. Well, uh, good I, game. I, for one, I, Real shame. I don't, I don't even... I don't even think he led with the elbow there. Yeah, I felt like his wrist was a bit more forward. I, I think his hand made contact first, and then just his elbow sort of got, sort of, his arm kind of got compressed in the in the contact, and then his elbow hit. Hmm. I think it was pretty borderline. I I think that, it, like, when I saw it in lifetime, I was like, it could go, it, this could be anything from, like, a play on to a yellow card. To, so, a, to a patch getting a card for a high tackle. <laughs> no. But, uh, <laughs> yes, it was an option, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, I suppose it was an option. But, um, so I don't know. I, I felt like Poit's decision to just award a penalty was actually the safest option. Mm. And like, uh, I, 
Yeah, I don't know. Because I, I, I think another ref, and even Poit on a different day, could just as easily have given a yellow card for that, I think. I um, think we have this problem where a TMO steps in that a referee can't not do anything. So, like, I yeah. actually think Poit might have looked at that video and been like, oh, I'm not really sure there's much there. But, you yeah. know, I don't want to embarrass the TMO. Mm, I don't know what you guys thought about it, but uh, the you know Patchell was on the pitch because Bigger went off for a HIA, and Bigger yeah. went off for a HIA. When was it Caravetti or Karevi? It was Karevi. Was that uh, was running down the wing, and he was he was what ten yards out from from scoring, yeah. and and Bigger comes across and like tackles him like head first, no wrap, shoulders straight high at the ball, yeah. uh, knocks the ball out of his hand, tackles Karevi, and then that's Bigger's game over. But like for me. You know, if I was an Australian fan, like, like that's that's potentially a, a yellow card. And then, given where it is yeah. on the field, and given the, the moment of the game, that's also potentially a, a penalty try. And it's it, almost the same as the Halo Pelly. Sorry, the same as the uh, the Reese Hodge tackle. The only reason no one looks at it is because bigger lost. You yeah. know, it's, no, exactly. <laughs> he got absolutely exactly. bashed. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, also, I mean, so I I felt like there wasn't so. Okay, so the Reese Hodge for me was almost in a way similar to the Karevi moment because the way I think about it is when you're making contact that high, it doesn't matter if you're the ball carrier or the tackler. It's dangerous either way. Yeah. So that's why I kind of tend towards supporting Poit's decision. I'm not going to die on this hill. Like I I do think that players should be allowed to kind of fend with, with like the, the hand slash forearm a little bit, but my problem was the height. Like it, it looked like his his wrist slash form was kind of going straight into Patchell's uh, wind box, uh, his his voice box in his throat. Wind box, and Alex. What the... is, is wind box not a thing? Sorry, I'm not a. It's, it's, a... it's no, wind well, pipe I'm... or voice box. You've just made well, okay. it. say one's wind box <laughs> is definitely not a high tackle, and you're sort of reeling him in from behind them. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, so it's wind pipe slash voice box. And I think, like, if you tack, if, if that had been a tackle, like, if Karevi had made that same motion tackling Patchell, I think it would have been a penalty. So we shouldn't give a bias towards the ball carrier, like, it's because it's still dangerous. Um, but I'm glad there wasn't a yellow card. I'm re- I'm getting really pissed off with Australian uh, fans or people, I guess, I assume they're people on Twitter, <laughs> saying, saying, oh, this is bullshit. Like, people. you know, a, a soft a soft penalty like that followed by an intercept try and now the game's pretty much over thanks a lot referee and you're like well that's only 30% of the points came from that dodgy referee decision that now separates you like the other 70% of the points came from the intercept try because Will Genia thought it was a good idea to take two steps before passing so like who's really to blame for the fact that your team's losing at half time I don't know like I again a lot's been made of the refereeing decisions this World Cup and yeah there have been some dodgy ones but that didn't feel like a game-deciding mistake, if it even was a mistake. So I, I, I just think there's a lot of scapegoating, and we need to, yeah, sure, Pot maybe made a bad call, but he wasn't as bad as Australia was bad. So, yeah, take it or leave it. I don't know. For me, Bernard Foley was awful. Yeah. He was I, terrible. I don't know why they... He, he's really fallen off uh, over the last 12 months, and I think... Um, Paul Cully wrote an article. I thought Will Genia actually he played quite well. I think it would have been better if Leonardo Fano was there, who would have kicked me slightly better, also better for territory. 
Uh, Fadi really has dropped off. Dan Hattipetti wasn't too bad. Tamuo was really good when he came on, though. That's true. I think the wrong call was made. Australia came close, but I think if they'd had a different fly half, um, the result might have been different. As, as you said, Foley didn't play yeah. that well. I feel also bad for Simon Karevi. He was immense, uh, as I mentioned. He was the most threatening back uh, on the park. Uh, Wales, it should be said, they played first half in particular. They were on fire. They played extremely well. Also, uh, Davies' intercept try was uh, quite hot. Also coming straight after the shitty penalty, which I don't think helps things as well. But Wales were the model of professional in that first half. They, I think they were ruthless. They defended hard. They managed to create some space on the outside as well. Adams um, often got the ball at 11. They had Williams at the back too. Uh, they, they're someone who, I know we've been watching, but now on the biggest stage, um, and they've had not, not had the best record against Australia previously. What is the, what's the, where's the quarter final path lay, by the way? Who, do they, who might they end up facing? Uh, France, uh, second, yeah. second in France, England's group. Yeah. France or Argentina? I mean, yeah. well, I mean, Chris, back Wales to to get through France. Oh yeah, I, man, I hate the Welsh. Hey, Chris, this is great to hear. Best friend, one of us. I, I thought Australia, I thought Australia were going to win that match going in. Uh, I think that was mm. Wales' um, second win against Australia in the last 15 games. Yes, yeah. And the only previous win was 9-6 in an autumn international in Cardiff. So I mean, like oh, Australia, oh. Well, like Australia, very, very, very dominant against Wales. Um, would I expect them to beat France? Uh, yeah, it's hard to know what the French isn't it. I mean, the French are the only Six Nations team to have got out of the pool at every World Cup. They tend to show up a little bit. Um, I like France this year. I thought they were, they were good against Argentina, particularly in the first half. Um, but a word on, on Davies. Uh, I had a look at that try. He was onside, which was surprising. But that was his <laughs> that was his second intercept in the game. The other one was also a clear intercept. And later on in the game, he had one that, by all money, he should have caught. You know, the one he dropped. And oh, that yeah. would have also been a try, right? So, like, you know, Australia maybe like, a little bit of a let-off there. Um, so I don't no, know how he, many complaints he obviously, really he obviously saw something in maybe Genia's like sometimes Genia loads a bit too long but he yeah. obviously he, they that was a that was something they had obviously picked up in the footage or whatever yeah have you seen his have you seen his two previous intercepts against both against Ali Price uh, uh, one in a Glasgow game and one in a in a Scotland game um, they're on Reddit they're posted as a side-by-side -side video they're the exact same he just does it all the time that exact intercept uh, he's, yeah. he does it he's done it like four or five times before he's very 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 good at it he's a great player uh, Gareth Davis I think has six tries in seven World Cup games for him so you know mm. boy. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of loving this, this international trend of uh, scrum halves being like these blitzing linebackers on defense <laughs> like Fuff Fafterklerk and Gareth Davies do it really, really well. But Herschel Yanchi is also looking really good at it. And it's kind of a role that TJ Perinara, I think, pioneered, uh, at least in the modern era. And you don't see it in, in like the more traditional guys like Connor Murray and Aaron Smith. Uh, but you get these like real live wires, and you just give them a license on defense to read those sorts of players. And they're so much better yeah. at accelerating on, into the intercept than you know, a usual backline player would be. So it makes perfect sense. Well, uh, it, it, it's very, it, it it's very make, cool. It makes sense because 
at the at the set piece, especially the scrum, you say, okay, flankers have an advantage because obviously they they're not limited by the same offside line as the back line. But the scrum off has way more of an advantage there because they can yeah. be in line and they don't have to push. So they yeah. could almost line up like a sprinter and just go straight at the ten if they if yeah. they wanted to. Yeah. And then um oh what was what was my other what was my other point? Oh, never mind. Yeah, but uh, um I do I do think it's a, it's a oh, oh they they they're not they're not part of the defensive line so it doesn't actually matter if they miss the hit because your your defensive line's formed behind them anyway yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's what I was going to say they're useless in the defensive line they're too small yeah. so you may as well just let them do whatever they want Dupont's the same for France yeah yeah he's good God he's good yeah but um, I saw somewhere Alan Wynne Jones made twenty three tackles Fantasy points, <laughs> yeah. He's he's a machine, man. Like he's he's just what like he's been kind of in and about the top the conversation for top locks in the world for a while. But like most people wouldn't have put him as like one of the best, one of the best locks in the world until maybe like two years ago or so. And now suddenly it just seems like you can't have the conversation without talking about him. It's I think it's amazing. Like at, at this stage in his career. I, I don't I don't like talking about Welsh people, so I have the conversation <laughs> without him all the time. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, there was something else I wanted to say about Australia, but I can't remember what it is now. Oh, if Israel Falah wasn't a raging homophobe, they probably would have won as well. Well, maybe, because they, they, there was a lot of up-and-unders, right? There were two, were there two tries scored from crossfield kicks? Yeah, um, if I'm not mistaken, and there was another one that George North kind of butchered. So, well, to, to me, if you play against Israel Folau, you don't kick up and under, so. like it's stupid. Yeah, yeah. that's that's like, like he 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 was a good enough player that teams had to change their whole game plans. Yeah, and for, I mean, we uh, did, like a team like Wales that up and under so integral to what they do, Izzy Folau just fucks them over nicely. Yeah, it was Izzy actually Folau the same. fucks we them up the arse. <laughs> Can you guys? Uh, can you guys believe that two open unders were scored by former Southern Kings player Hadley Parks and 640 year old Adam Ashley Cooper? Like, to, to, uh, <laughs> uh, former Southern Kings legend uh, Hadley Parks. Hadley yeah. Parks. Yeah. He, he wasn't even a legend for the Southern Kings. He was just average for them. He was just in the squad. He was. Yeah, and he was, was like. He was only just in the squad as well. Like he was one of the first guys to get cut when things got tough. They were like, "Yeah, we don't need Hadley Parks." <laughs> And he's like, fine, I'll just go and have a fucking career with Wales then. <laughs> yeah, fine, I'll, I'll go be like, I'll go for one of the most pre- prodigious centre partnerships in the world. Okay, cool, like, I've got <laughs> yeah. it. Fuck you guys, taking my ball and leaving. But <laughs> look, so, uh, it's, this is a tangential point, but there were a lot of crossfield kicks attempted and successfully, I think, by Ireland as well yesterday. I think that's one of the things that Cardi did very, very well, I think, was read the crossfield kick. Um, <coughs> and, it's a it's a it's a very um, worrying trend because it's something that I think South Africa suddenly is very bad at defending against, um, and we're also not very good at doing it ourselves. So, to use a computer game term, uh, normally in tournaments like this, you get a new meta that develops throughout the course of the tournament, mm. and teams have to adjust what they were maybe doing beforehand to what suddenly is working extremely well. If that is the case in rugby, which it kind of isn't, but if it was, South Africa would be very worried about the fact that they are seemingly unable to adapt to the new meta 
of crossfield kicks. Um, and I think a lot of that is down to the fact that we're playing, uh, sorry, to, sorry to break this to you, Matt, but the fact that we're playing Makazola Mapimpi on the left wing. Yeah. Probably one of the, that. probably one of the best finishers in world rugby, but not good in the air. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But, uh, and, I actually wanted to mention that. You, you're bang on. So pardon me for interrupting. Yeah, sorry about Nkosi. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I was just going to say, Sabun Kosi is actually probably our best in the air. I think he's better than Cheson Colby. Uh, no, that, definitely better than Philly Leroux, So That, that yeah, juicer that we shouldn't be speaking about is also pretty nifty, was pretty nifty in the air. Mm, he was okay, but he, he started losing it. Uh, alleged, alleged juicer, by the way. No, no it's, it's not alleged. No, 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 no. <laughs> he's guilty no, no, no. now. He's, no, he's, he's taken it on appeal. He's taken it on yeah, appeal. Yeah, that means he's convicted, Adam. So no, but he's convicted now. He's guilty. Yeah. Um, on appeal, yeah. you've been convicted. So we can call him a juicer. Also, How about we West... go for guilty juicer alleged monster signing for 2021? <laughs> yeah. No? Okay. Look, Maybe. worst case scenario, worst case scenario, he sues us and then we suddenly become famous. So. Well, I'm, I'll just say alleged for that sort of thing. Um, let's okay. see. Oh, so I'll just find your post. Oh, just the one point I wanted to make. Um, I'm very glad you raised the the point of kicking, even in the Springboks New Zealand game. Uh, one of the one of their major breakouts was created from a cross kick. Just due to, I think, the major emphasis across or the more Tier 1 nations anyway for line speed. Big focus for England, big focus for Wales. Uh, Australia's line speed wasn't that great in the first half. That's why they were getting stopped on a little bit. And it's just the kicking has really placed the emphasis on up and unders. And that the teams who aren't catching well, both of Ireland's tries came from that. Um, I don't know what, what Japan did that a little bit differently. Maybe they just uh, already spoken about it. But that will be something to continue watching. Just the increased focus on the high ball. Um, so yeah, uh, it, that is the new meta in a sense, just to beat the rush defense teams. Are kicking, over, are kick, are making those kicks to uh, to beat that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well that's going to wrap it up for the Australia Wales chat. We've got three previews to do, but before doing so, uh, this will be the spot where I, I call it the ERB couch. This is going to push our, geez, it's going to push our episode to over two hours. Um, so, uh, what, what I, the people want. So, Chris, as a, as you actually do listen to the pod, hey? I have listened to the pod, yeah. <laughs> does, does, the, does the time of, the, like, the length like of a pod like intimidate you? That's like what I say when people ask me if I do drugs. I have. <laughs> I have not done drugs. What? Oh, I have done drugs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. I took this morning. Um, I took a, does, took a conscious effort a, a little while ago to reduce the amount of rugby content i was listening to on a daily basis and a two-hour podcast is a, it's a lot yeah okay that's, it's that's a lot okay that's what i i was told that's what i told these guys like a year ago a year and a half ago but um i clearly failed i had dreams of 45 minutes and then, and then my dreams became an hour my wife has dreams of 45 minutes yeah and then in all the context that you're imagining <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's a nice one. oh no that's, nice one. Um, that's good that's so let's regain my composure, so maybe we'll get to an hour and a half. But uh, yeah, look, we'll pose this a bit separately, but I had the pleasure of speaking to Thomas Davies, who, uh, in collaboration with uh, Times Square, uh, an ad agency that came up with Ruggabot, where you can find it at ruggabot.com or .net. Jesus, I'm not doing a very good job advertising it. Uh, we just had a fascinating chat about the, well, uh, the sort of stuff all, that they use to Are they paying us? No. I'm just uh, giving... Then why are you advertising it? <laughs> 
I'm not, well, because I spoke to him, I'm giving context for the interview. That's why. And they're the Oaks who are behind it. I'm giving the reader all the information they require to make an informed decision, Benjamin. I'm sure this will lay the foundation for a... I'm sure this will lay the foundation for a commercial relationship further down the line. Well, yeah, that, that would be nice <laughs> for all of us. Instead of, <laughs> um, so yeah, here's Thomas. Um, and cool, we'll, we'll come up and do the predictions straight afterwards. Uh, hello, this is Elite Rugby Banter, the podcast is about rugby. This will be the first time that we're going to be doing an interview segment uh, with anybody, in fact. So uh, I'd like to please welcome Tom Davies uh, as part of, we'll call it the ERB Couch. We have no idea what it's called. Uh, Tom, how are you? Great. Um, Adam, thanks for having me on here. And hello to your listeners. It's honored to be your first uh, guest. Yeah, no, well, no, thank you. I think you're doing us a great a great service by, by even being willing to, to step into the cauldron. Uh, as such, we've had other people on the pod before, but a, a formalized interview setting uh, as such as this is certainly a unique factor. And I think the subject we're going to be chatting about is quite unique. Uh, so just, if you want to know a little bit about Tom and the reason we are chatting to him today, Tom uh, Davis, he works for Resource Design, uh, if that's correct, so- Software Engineering uh, in Johannesburg. Uh, that is that, correct, yeah. yep. Yep. Um, and they, uh, in, co- in collaboration with Times Square, which is a design slash advertising agency, in Johannesburg, they've come up with a very interesting tool called Ruggabot. Uh, Ruggabot, in a nutshell, is a, and, and Tom will correct me once we start chatting about it, a predictive uh, analysis tool for all the games taking place in the Rugby World Cup, where it gives you a predicted score margin. So anybody on Superbrew, you should be listening. This might be very, very interesting. And it's going to be doing so for over the, the course of the World Cup. Uh, uh, as of today... Because I know this will be coming out on Sunday. Today is Thursday, the 26th of September. Uh, it's only gotten two games wrong, which is the South Africa-New Zealand game. And I was quite surprised, because the, the prediction changed, I'll ask Tom about that now, and the Uruguay-Fiji game. The fact that those are the only two games I got wrong in Superbrew makes me feel a lot better as well, because, I mean, technology is like, isn't also keeping me up with my pace. Uh, so, Tom, can I please tell me what uh, was the inspiration behind designing this uh, analytical tool? And by the way, uh, ladies and gents, if you want to find it, you can find it, and let me see if I can find it here. It's ruggabot.com. Uh, it's just right there. So what inspired the, the creation of Ruggabot? Um, and to be honest, it was a conversation I had with my eight-year-old son. Uh, he's nearly nine, but he's, he's become sports mad over the last uh, few years, and particularly the World Cups. You know, we had the World Cup cricket earlier. Oh. But then he asked me, Dad, is there any way that we can know who will win the World Cup? And instantly I said, no. I mean, we have an idea. But then it got me thinking that there might actually be a way we could try to predict it. And uh, as soon as I got into the office that morning, I chatted to the colleagues and said, you know, do you think that we can use some of these fancy machine learning tools available online now and try gather, scrape some stats mm. and figure out if we can use it to predict anything? Okay. Um, and I know reading, reading up on Ruggabot, you've, you've gone back very far into rugby history, into, uh, please if I get the date wrong, like 1895 or something around that. You've sourced statistical information from um, ESPN, if I understand correctly. That's correct. We haven't actually used all the information going okay. back to 1892 or 96, um, but we, we, we have um, looked at, because I think the game has evolved quite significantly over the time. Yes. We, we kind of um, refine the data that we used um, to limit it to what we think is the modern era of the game. Okay, and uh, so then what would that? What was that cutoff period then for, uh, for, for, for the modern definition, I guess? Uh, from 2001 is okay. uh, we currently our latest models using. 
Yeah, I think there might be a few people upset that you didn't include our Rugby World Cup win in, in 1995. And I think it's a completely uh, very reasonable decision. And so then how long did how long did it take uh, yourself or was it you and your team or other individuals to, to build Ruggabot? Um, it was actually quite quick. Uh, luckily, we, there was uh, some Frenchman who created a scraper for ESPN Scrum. So we didn't have to write that whole component. And we got the data within three days. I think we had scraped the entire database of, of ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to train the model, uh, it took a, um, probably another two or three days of debating which data should be included. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't use all the data immediately because there were some missing chunks missing and some stuff we couldn't collect immediately. Um, but then I, I would say from concept to first version was two weeks. And then um, Times Square, we got in touch with them and said, look, we have this data and we want to present it in a great way. Mm-hmm. Can you guys help us out um, to display it in a way that's uh, easily readable to the visitors um, and they they took a few days and we marked it up and put it online so in total three weeks uh, so when did you actually go live uh, with, with the Ruggabot site um, I'll have to check it here on the analytics but I think it was on the 16th or 17th of um, September okay so literally pretty much just prior to the kickoff uh, of, of the Rugby World Cup. I did notice when your initial predictions came out um, and uh, a, 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 I'm going to say a colleague and acquaintance of yours at Times Square who I happen to know, um, who happens to be the link between the two of us, uh, Graham, he, he let me know. So then I, I, busy, I looked at all the predictions and I was like, yes, 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 yes. And I saw South Africa, New Zealand. And your, your algorithm, well, to use that word, initially had New Zealand winning by 14 minutes. So I messaged Graham saying, ah, oh, you know, that's a bit strong, 14 points. And the fact it turned out 10, but I noticed that the score changed uh, as well prior to kickoff. Uh, I wasn't on the site the whole time. So does the, the algorithm or uh, the bot, to, to say that, adjust in real time based on the information fed into it? Like what sort of information and parameters bar, bar past results also influences the, the, the prediction that it spits out? So the, the two parts of this. Uh, one is that we, we're constantly refining and retraining the model, okay. um, which basically means we, we plug in all the historical data and th- that weights the parameters and gives them, uh, you know, how, an in, uh, weighting to the, how it influences the outcome. Um, so that, that model gets retrained as new data comes in or we have new insights into how we can use the data. Mm. Um, so, so that would be, you know, how we, how we fine-tune the engine. Um, then the other part of it is as the as matches are finished or and as ESPN Scrum updates their data, we plug that into that engine and get a different result. Um, the New Zealand South Africa game, we are we we actually weren't sure what to do because we noticed that in New Zealand South Africa games there was a very strong uh, home away advantage, uh, home team advantage, and New Zealand uh, obviously in a World Cup you don't have a home team that's on a neutral ground, um, and when we plugged it, New Zealand is our home team, and South Africa is their away team. Uh, New Zealand won, and we turned it around. Ah, okay, okay, that, that's actually that's actually very interesting because, um, in a sense, neutral ground beyond World Cups and the hosting team, uh, that's something that's almost like a an outlier or an anomaly in terms of the data sets that you that you're using. Well, I guess is that is the, are these the sort of statistical challenges that that. Uh, oppose yourselves as uh, programmers in, in that sense. Try to figure out nuances for nuances sort of data, uh, the sort of stuff that hasn't been that, that doesn't quite conform to standard data sets, if you want to use that term. So are you guys learning on the go at this stage? 
precisely. Um, yeah, they are. We, we aren't machine learning experts, although we've written software that makes use of machine learning. We, well, this is the first time that we've had to really get into the statistical analysis of it. Um, and getting rid of that home away advantage was a bit tricky, um, but we've got it down now. Now uh, our model has, has accounted for that and removed the bias. Um, but, you know, people have said to us, or machine learning experts have said, uh, you have to be very selective with your data. It's not a case of just throw everything at it and see what sticks. Uh, as some people believe machine learning is, um, we realized very quickly that well, sometimes by adding an extra field, for example, the weather, um, your model actually gets worse, not better. Um, <laughs> so in terms of how many parameters then, uh, I could obviously pass results. I imagine that that makes a lot of sense. So then in terms of what you scrape from ESP, ESPN and, and other data, what other what other data is included? Are you even including like player data, like player win-loss records? How deep does it go? Or you keep it at a relatively high level at this stage, or, or, or I guess is it changing all the time to ensure that the accuracy of the model improves the more data that is fed into it? So we're constantly trying to improve, and in fact, we're working on a monster of a model at the moment mm. that takes 670 data points per game uh, and plugs that in. So that's for 1,540 internationals in the last since 2001. Um, but the, the, the gathering that data and making sure it's accurate is quite tricky. The, yeah, the, the, yeah. This model on rugabot.com, uh, that takes, it's, it's got a field for each player, which is our sort of scoring um, that we've, we've, we've waste, based weighting uh, on um, factors like try scored, um, passes, kicks, runs, um, and field fields. We've got, for each player in a match, we've got about 30 fields that we've managed to scrape from ESPN Scrum. Um, we derive a, a player score for that. Um, we obviously plug in the, like, the venue, which round the game is played at, um, what the rank of the team is uh, at the time of the game. So the IRB rankings, I think they're World Rugby rankings, they're called now. Mm. Uh, and that, that make, that's the biggest um, significant uh, parameter is what the ranking of the team is at the time. And then um, we've tried things like referees, um, but the data that we have on that isn't... Uh, we aren't sure that, that we have all the right data. Yeah, I, d I don't think the referees are sure of the, the data on the referees, uh, I must say. You're probably not alone in, in, in that sense. So, sorry, uh, please continue. Um, yeah, and we've... So, at the moment, I think for the existing um, Rugabot.com model, there's about uh, 40 data points per game that we rely on. Okay, and, so then, in a sense, over the course of the World Cup, um, I don't have the number off my head about how many games there are in a World Cup. So it's almost 40 data points times 40, and uh, from game 1 to 10, the data is at a certain level of maturity, and then I'm not a data scientist whatsoever. I don't really know much about this stuff. And almost every time, every time a game takes place, in a sense, you're busy tweaking your formula because you know a bit more. Uh, as especially since you said, even though you work in the software sector, you're not experienced in, in machine learning as such. So from, from your own perspective, how have you found the experiment, particularly with a, a, a sport such as rugby that in, in certain senses, particularly more in modern times, is quite data-rich? Have you found it to be quite a valuable exercise uh, for yourself and your colleagues at Resource Design? Absolutely. Um, well, firstly, we, we didn't think that we could make a model that was any better than a guess. Um, but uh, you mentioned Superbrew mm. earlier. I think Rugapot's on top of four or five Superbrew pulls at the moment. Oh, so, so actually you're busy feeding, um, you, you have, I guess, a, a profile as Ruggabot. 
that that's all right. Okay, okay, great. Okay, yeah. So if you if you want Rugabot to join your pool, just uh, send us the link and we'll get him to join. Um, but we've uh, we we after going through the first simplistic model and then refining it slightly, we realized mm -hmm. that we had quite a, uh, um, uh, something that could predict slightly better than a guess. Mm -hmm. um, and refine that a little bit more, and we've got something that, that's quite accurate now. Um, you know, you can, you're never going to be able to predict uh, a game like today's game, um, where it was quite an upset, and everyone expected that Uruguay wouldn't win. Mm. Um, but for the most part, we, uh, we've uh, managed to get the games within sort of 10% of the point score, and um, the most exciting was when we got, the, got it exactly right. For example, the France game. Yes. Uh, yeah, I know on, on our own podcast, we were uh, in consternation trying to figure out which way to go on that game between France and Argentina, two teams that have a certain element of unpredictability to them, but you managed to nail on the money. And uh, as you just said right now, uh, just before we started chatting, I just went through all the results that Rugabots predicted, more or less, it's very, very close, bar the odd outlier. Like, so, uh, Ireland's heavy one over Scotland. I wouldn't have expected Ireland to uh, have beaten Scotland so heavily, for example. Uruguay, Fiji, as you noted. And then when it comes to South Africa and New Zealand, the sort of data, especially because it was day two of the tournament, uh, you, had not, you had not yet had the opportunity to account for neutral uh, neutral uh, ground, as to say. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, the, the results then speak to themselves. Sorry, let me turn that phone off that. And then just last, I just want to ask, in terms of the rugby... <laughs> The rugby following. Are you, are you also a big rugby fan, uh, and you're you and your colleagues in the office? We're huge rugby fans. Um, I I've got uh, three children at home, so I don't um, I'm not as into it as I was when I was at university and just afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, still, diehard book supporter. I support the Lions. Um, yeah, I catch every game I can, basically. Yeah, so um, as a Lions fan, then you very much understand a, a feast and famine, or rather famine than feast. We went through the dark period, uh, if anybody's listening listening now on the pod, they keep telling me I'm a Bulls fan, because, you know, that I admire the Bulls professional setup, but um, that's not true, and I'm just going to let you know right now, I, I am indeed a Lions fan, and uh, we had a good time as well. And what uh, what have you thought thus far of the Springboks' performance at the World Cup? It's only only one game, uh, as a small sample. I'm sure Rugger Bartz learning about that too. How are you feeling for the rest of the tournament uh, and the Springboks' chances? Look, I'm feeling positive. Uh, I think that there is, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of banter on, online about the, the mm. refs' calls. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know if I should comment on that or not, or my feelings on that, but um, I think that we... <laughs> We had a good game, and I think but we could play a lot better. Um, but I, for the most part, I'm positive. And funny enough, we, when we plugged um, the data into the, the refined version of the model, we, we actually had Springboks winning the World Cup. Uh, I really hope that happens, but I wouldn't put any money on it just yet. No, especially with the referees. Uh, I just I, I did find it quite funny uh, that the referee data is, is a little bit inconsistent, which is, I think is what you can say um, about the referees. Um, Tom, thank, it's been such a pleasure uh, chatting to you. Just thank you so much just for spending a bit of time with me uh, and chatting just so our listeners on ERP can just hear about this. Uh, just If you ever want a final word uh, about Rogobuts, is there anything we should be looking out for, or should we just keep monitoring the scores and, and seeing how it goes, uh, just to see how, how successful you guys are and trying to predict the, the accurate result? Um, the only thing I think I should mention, my lawyer says that you must tell people that this is information for uh, entertainment purposes only and don't place any bets or blame us if you lose any money because of Rugabot. 
<laughs> you know, this this we understand. I, I'm always trying to avoid us getting sued uh, just for saying naughty things. So I'm always busy stressing guys, you know, this uh, uh, allegedly, reportedly, so on and so forth. So uh, if you are listening, uh, just to repeat what Tom said, do not please use Ruggabot as a betting function. It's, it's just, a, just a quote, Tim. It's for entertainment purposes only. Uh, it, it, anything beyond that is your own responsibility and there's no liability passed on to the developers of that product whatsoever. Um, so there, I got you covered, Tom. Uh, thanks again very much for speaking to me. Very much appreciate it. And I wish I wish Ruggabot, I guess, the best of luck over the course of the World Cup. Thanks, Adam. Uh, hopefully we, we get the rough, a few predictions right, the final especially. Yeah, jeez, and, and the box winning. Jeez, uh, I was a bit upset that we lost. But anyway, uh, yeah, that, that's going to do it uh, just, just for our interview, and we're going to return to the rest of the podcast. Okay, uh, yeah, that was it. I was speaking to Thanks, Tom Tom's. Davis. That, yeah. was, that was very interesting. Really yeah. enjoyed that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to <laughs> saying what Ant uh, will we'll say about I don't want to be mean, but... I mean, these SEOs are shit, because if I... Oh, wait, are they, no, is that it? Yeah. Ruggabot. You disagree with No, I'm just trying to find... No, like, Ruggabot, colon, Ruggerbot. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, that's my, down to my pronunciation. Um, no, 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 they're too... Oh, no, that's not even... No, this is ad. Man, fuck, I can't yeah. even find his website when you Google for him. You are Googling no, it's Rugger, yeah, it's Ruggerbot. Ruggerbot. It's Ruggerbot.com. Yeah, uh, yeah, Rugger with a hard R. Yeah, but that a doesn't make sense. Who, sh- who shortens it to the sh- hard, hard R? Probably because Rugger bot was already taken. Yeah. By yeah. apparently a StarCraft 2 official game site. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on, let's do the three previews uh, we have coming up. The, the game for tomorrow is Scotland Samoa. Uh, I guess Scotland by 25. Chris? Um... Would you would you agree with this? Yeah. He's, he's the voice of reason here at the moment. Uh, Scott, yeah, Scotland to win this game. I think Samoa have been a bit of a shambles uh, yeah. since the 2015 World Cup with the scandals and, and whatever. I don't think they have it in them. So I think Scotland will win this. I think Scotland will score 35 points. All right. Mm. Uh, ben? Um, I don't think it'll be... Oh, is Chris saying by 35 or Scotland will score 35? By 35. Oh. I think it's oh, it like a, a 35, kind of 10, 35, 15 sort of scoreline. Yeah, so by about 20, That's what I was going to say. More, more like, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm leading towards Scotland by about 20 or 15. All right. Uh, Matt? Yeah, I'm tending towards 15, Scotland. Both sides have quite a bit to say, I think, this weekend. Yeah. Okay, well, then I'll make it to split the difference 22. Let's go with, go with that figure. Uh, then what else do we have here? France, USA. Um, I'd probably back the French to win by about 30. This, uh, both teams involved in this game have been notified of rearrangement. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I just saw that. Rearrangement so do we pick- because of the hurricane. So, uh, But it, it, it doesn't zero. get rearranged. That's the whole thing. No, like, it, it, yeah, it's doesn't. a scoreless draw. Yeah, so do we pick no. the draw this weekend and pl- and try and like play the margin on Superbrew? No, the uh, no, but it'll, it'll the be game a non like a non game yeah. on Superbrew. Yeah. No, no, the no, game, it's the, the, draw. Will... No, the official result will be no, no. It'll be a... the game will originally be moved though. So what they've been informed at is to where the game will be moved to if there's a hurricane. So this game could end up being played in pretty bad conditions on a pitch with no fans, which could really affect the score. You know. 
But uh, as a pool I still match... think France will win by 35, but... Yeah, uh, I think as pool matches, they might not be moved. Maybe as quarterfinals. Yeah, I think pool matches aren't being moved, yeah. last I saw. It's only knockouts. France I think, by 20. I think knockouts can, can get rearranged. I mean, the actual... I think it... Uh, okay, maybe I'm wrong. I'll put my hand up if I am. Hmm. Uh, I don't well, know. Anyway, the result itself, hopefully it doesn't get moved. Uh, we'll find out on Wednesday, uh, 9.45 SA time is when the game is meant to kick off. Uh, I've got France by 30. I've got, uh, I think I, had, I don't know what I wrote on Super Group, but I've got 20, 25, let's say. We got the, else? I don't know, there's deafening silence. So clearly, we'll say 27, some, somehow between that margin. Um, and now we can go for the margin point trophy New Zealand versus Canada. This is going to get quite ugly, uh, I suspect. 50 ish. Oof, that's low. I reckon they're going to win by like 70 or something. Yeah, 70 is uh, good for me. Mm. I said 90. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know how to compete with 90. 90? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's throwing down the gauntlets. Uh, I'm picking 69 because it's funny. I think, uh, <laughs> 100 <laughs> points. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go, go for 80. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think it'll be that high, to be honest. I'm sticking with 69. Rico's going to score like five tries. I'm sticking with 69. 69. Yeah, let's make 69. it. 69. I like 69. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, let's go. No, but other people like 69. We we got to be distinct. 96. Okay. That's just two people lined up and back to back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's comfortable. That's how you get a good night's sleep. Uh, let's, go, let's just go 96. <laughs> Why not? Just for shits and giggles. Uh, okay. Uh, any, any further comments, guys? Uh, another pod's already wrapped. Gone over. Yeah, we've definitely exceeded the two-hour mark. Uh, minus the, or we're going to be just on it. Minus the five minutes from the beginning. Any further comments about the World Cup heading in? Um, we will be back on Wednesday, by the way. Um, when it comes to previews and making picks, I think we need to fucking listen to whatever Lemecki has to say before all of their games. Mm. Yeah, he, he must be dominating Superbrew. Because he called their win. Yeah, his margin was a bit off. He said they were going to win by 50. Was off. Yeah, his margin was <laughs> off, but fuck. I think he's probably the only person who got the fucking win point. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Are, you, are you allowed to play Super Brew if you're a, no. if you're a player, though? Uh, that's how Rob Howley got Rob in Halley. trouble, though. Rob yeah. Howley was he allowed, yeah. Super Brew. Well, he wasn't team. playing Super Brew. He was... Um, he actually... I, I heard he just had a Super Brew team and a rugby magazine fantasy side, and that's all he did. <laughs> they said to him for it. <laughs> um, no, I don't think you're allowed, you're, allowed, you're not allowed to engage in any kinds of betting or punting yeah. or anything, even if it's not for money. And the referees aren't either. That's um, yeah. Anyway, cool. Yeah, boys. A... I think uh, I think we're done. I've got to go finish up a point to you that's been sitting waiting for me. So nice. Um, yeah, oh, sorry. Uh... That that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Chris. Sorry, you... James is not happy, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... James. James has decided that two hours is enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> James us. James, uh, he's just going on James... about the the, the five year residency rule. He's angry. Yeah? He's angry. Very much, very much appreciate uh, your insights uh, and good humour, uh, by the way. Uh, and as Alex yes. said, a compliment to Irish rugby fans. Yourself and Gavin both have been a terrific sports, and also I'd, I'd argue given better insight than well, certainly me <laughs> throughout the throughout throughout and, the pod. And your best man. He's not my best man. Shut up about that now. I'm getting very irritated. Cheers, boys. 
Yeah, but it's past tense. He was your best man. Thank you. Thanks very much, Chris. Real pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I apologize for being so rude there. Sorry. It's just, uh, it's getting on my tits. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Adam, (laughs) Adam, if you got, if you got married tomorrow, Mm. would you choose, um, would you choose me, Matt, or Alex to be your best man? Which one of us? Out of the three of you. Um, now I'll do the modern thing. No, I'll no, just, out of I'd all the people three... in the world, I presume it's been oh, narrowed down I, to I, us I, three, I have, and then who would you I mean, choose? I'd have... Adam does have a twin brother that would probably be ahead yeah, of us, but I, 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 I'm enjoying this thought experiment. Uh, I haven't actually met Adam <laughs> in person. I'm gonna... So, I yeah. don't... I thought you were about to say, I so, haven't actually met my twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met Alex in person, so between Matt and Ben, I'd have joint best men. I'd cop it up. I'm just going to pull myself out the running because I can't organize fuck all. So. Okay. Well, the bed, yeah. The bed. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be honest, I'm going to pull myself out the running because <laughs> I can't be an asshole on the Facebook group 24-7. Like, I don't have that sort of... Yeah, I, don't have that. Ha- I mean, do you have enough friends I- to invite into the group? I, I hate to break it to you, but I'm going to have to pull myself out of the running as well because, like Adam said, we've never met and I refuse to meet him. So if he did make me a fan, I wouldn't be able to come to the wedding. If I, and, and well, so it's Chris. I, I think Chris, Chris congratulations. Man. Yeah, we've just met. Yes, boys. <laughs> well, Alex, when I beat you in a draft in the final next year, then, 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 then I can meet you. I have to earn the right. I, okay, I'm, I'm prepared to say this on air. When Adam finally wins the draft, I will deliver the trophy to him in person. Oh god, I think I'm gonna in die. Cape, when I'm in Cape Town, so you don't. We'll make a plan, but I will. I will hand it over in person. Yeah, we'll, if we'll, slash when you you win the draft. We'll meet in um, what's halfway? We'll meet in Colesburg. Um, that's halfway. Okay. Yeah, by the church. We'll, we'll, we'll meet over then and then have a hoe down. Uh, if you're happy, Lucy, thank you so much for hanging in with us for there. Uh, we will be posting Thomas's interview a little bit separately, and we're back on Wednesday just to talk about the Scotland, Samoa, France, USA, New Zealand, Canada games, and a whole bunch of other rugby. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you on Wednesday.